an impounded Imperial ship. What's your call sign, pilot? Um, I have to go. It, it's, um... Say something. Come on. Rogue? Rogue One. Rogue One? There is no Rogue One. Well, there is now. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? What chance do we have? The question is what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power, and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now! Hi, welcome to Mindless Dribble uh, on Rogue One. I am Scott McGregor, your usual host for this mess, and uh, as I always like to do on these, I like to bring in co-hosts to talk about this stuff with me. Plus, it's Rogue One, Star Wars story we're chatting about tonight, and got some uh, interesting little uh, variety of people that I don't usually get to record with a lot tonight, so that's cool. Uh, we've got Jonathan Kreitz to my left on my video screen. Got, got Pete Hesh uh, uh, to Chris Honeywell right in the center here. Or yeah. across the table from me, I guess it would be. And I, uh, I got uh, wasted before the show. I hope it's okay. It's okay. I always on a Two True Freaks production. Uh, it's encouraged, usually. And uh, Scott Rifen, who I haven't podcasted with in quite a while. So good to have yeah. you too, sir. Been yeah. a very long time. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, this has been the second time. Second time in like a month, I've been on a podcast with Scott Rifon. It's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, and before then, what? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it's Yukon Cornelius ah. licking his pick. <laughs> <laughs> and I had put out the call to our usual uh, suspects that we do on these kind of bigger movie panels, and um, like, well, just behind the scenes, it's two days before Christmas too. So yeah, this is uh, not too too long after Rogue One Wait, came out. It is, yeah, well, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, I have a lot less logistic to deal with than you than you family type folk. So that's. I'll tell you something interesting I noticed right before we went on the air. I think, and I'm sure you're going to bring it up, Scott, that uh, Carrie Fisher's had a heart attack today. Yeah. Yes. And obviously he's in the, in the hospital. I went to Drudge Report shortly before we went on together, and the main page, that's his top story, but the photo he has of Carrie Fisher accompanying his story is the CGI carry from oh, Rogue One. Jesus. <laughs> Matt, somebody oh, slap Matt for us, please. Um, why not? Well, yeah, and uh, wow, it looked... We actually don't really know where the situation's at as of the recording of this. She had a massive heart attack on a flight. I know, and I got I got clickbaited on one that said she's in. Sta- Brother says she's in. Sta- you know, updates with she's in stable condition. Yeah, and that's... then you read the whole, then you read the whole article, and then it's like, well, TMZ heard from the brother, and he said, I don't know who got that quote. We don't oh, know what lovely. was in the ICU. Oh, really? But, uh, everybody's yeah. been running that too. I got it off of Gizmodo IO9, which is usually so, fairly good about. So yeah, so it's like you just gotta wait and see. Is because it doesn't. Well, as of the recording of this, it doesn't look good, really. So no, there was a woman, I guess, on the plane who was quoted in uh, one of the websites as saying she didn't breathe for ten minutes. Yeah, that's you know. 
I was taking I have, that with I, a grain of salt because I had hope, you know, but if that's I true, have, then there's probably well, only one resolution of this. I, I'm yeah. Well, I'm going to say this. I have, a, I have a friend who had a similar situation and, and was gone, no brain activity for 25 minutes. Wow. Whoa. But yeah, but yes. definitely the It was a long recovery, but he's recovered. Yeah. He did recover, and uh, he's walking five miles a day. He's a bit younger than Carrie Fisher and doesn't smoke. Yeah. And is his name Scott Gardner, or is that it's not name? Scott Gardner? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you know some guys can do twenty-five minutes with no brain activity, and nobody would notice. Exactly, <laughs> so, exactly. Fact. I do it all the time. I, sometimes <laughs> I can go through half a day of work like that. Uh, so. I can go through half a podcast like that. <laughs> Oh, uh, needless to say, a potentially sad day for Star Wars fans. And that's, yeah, I wasn't trying to make light of the situation. Yeah, it is, no. What what else can you do though? Life life is life is life. Life is at a hundred percent mortality rate. It'll you whistle you past the graveyard, especially this year. Has been a lot of whistling. Oh, man. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she made. What if she's the finale of all these celebrity deaths this year? Mm. Jeez. I I I. You know, I hope not. For the primary reason is I don't, you know, I don't want to lose Carrie Fisher. But then I start thinking about it, and then it's like, all it's going to be is nerds going like, but what about episode nine? Yeah, well, you know? it's already, I, I thought I she was going to be the hit CG. They're going to have to CG old Carrie Fisher now. It's literally already <laughs> out there on Twitter. It's, it's I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. That's what we're thinking about. Yeah, good for us. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well yeah. on that <laughs> there's a happy on that start sad note, uh, yeah. So for what it's I, worth, uh, by the time you hear this, uh, that situation will have worked we'll, itself we'll out. We'll probably know a lot more. Yeah. Either way, you have to add a you know tag one way or the other post production on this in a day <laughs> or so. Right. Right. <laughs> but let's start. I mean, where to start? Uh, obviously, just kind of the history of, in case you're just happening upon this podcasting network by accident. Uh, and a little history of the uh, this movie is it's part of the new Disney acquisition, obviously, and and they decided, well, these numbered <laughs> we're only making four or five billion a year on these numbered movies, so we could probably pad that with some uh, some peripheral stuff. You know, it's really it's the Disney expanded universe. Oh, and I'm sure they thought I'm I'm sure they thought people would be happy to have a Star Wars movie every year, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't seen too many complaints in that direction at all. Um, you know, yeah. but it, again, it was, you know, scary and exciting at the same time because, uh, you know, like we're seeing with some superhero franchises, it is possible to stretch a good idea too thin. <laughs> I could see a time, I could see a time where they start talking about, like, maybe we'll want to put two or three years in between movies, you know, after... You know, it, it it depends on how it goes, but you know, if it starts to like interest starts to wane to where you don't just automatically are able to just write a check when you put out a new Star Wars movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know about that. I think, I mean, because look, they've worked the animation studio up to where they're doing at least one a year. They've yeah. worked Pixar up to where they're doing at least one a year. Yeah. And and some of them only make 150, and some of them make 450. Nothing's yeah, uh, lost any money, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They all do well, and even the lesser ones, you know, do okay, and they just keep chugging along. 
and they yeah, and they sit around yeah, and they sit around and make money for years later too. So mm-hmm. and, and they're adopting kind of the obviously like Marvel didn't Marvel is good at it, but I mean it's almost like the Marvel business model is is spreading out to other properties and they're just they're just a factory i mean you know they're just literally as he said they can pump one of each of these franchises out every year factory has been a word used in association with disney before so yeah absolutely but you know as hey as long as the factory puts out a quality product then uh, yeah factory means means there's more product (laughs) that was my that was my i think that was my take on the idea of having too many Star Wars movies, if such a thing could exist, uh, back when all this was announced initially, was like, well, I guess it's all really dependent on the quality. If the quality remains high, if their quality remains, the movies remain entertaining, uh, then I think the more the merrier. But I think once it's kind of like with Marvel, everyone assumes, oh, you know, they're going to fall on their face eventually. Right. And maybe they will, or maybe to some people they already have. But. Um, you know, as long as the quality remains, then I think, you know, they can keep making them and we'll all still go seeing them. I mean, that's. And that was a big worry of mine, knowing that they were working on seven and this and then into eight all at the same time. I worried that they would take their eye off the ball. But, uh, you know, as we'll get into the discussion, I don't know that they did. Yeah. Yeah, I was worried about the same things. And and I've even said that I'm not really still even on board with, like, the Han Solo solo mm. movie. I'm just conflicted about it. I just don't know if it's necessary. I didn't know if this was necessary, but I knew well, well, I mean, from what, what I was reading, I sure as hell wanted to know. see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely wanted to see it, whether it matters or, you know. You know, we know how is it little, ends. Is little Debbie necessary? <laughs> no, probably not. She's but I, w- I, life would be worse without her. That's exactly right. Uh, so, <laughs> I guess uh, let's launch into it. Like uh, X Wing out of hell and uh, or out of Mustafar. Uh, wow, just where to begin? I just watched it again the other day through nefarious means. Um, but we're definitely gonna be throwing some more money at a big screen here. Soon yeah, too. I'm, I'm I'm ready for a, a matinee pretty soon to do a little fight. <laughs> good scene, surprising scene. Uh, yeah, we're viewing some clips uh, right now. Um, <laughs> Speaking of nefarious means, yeah. Um, but that's all right. Yeah, they'll they'll get. You know, Lucasfilm, come after me. You've, you've gotten a good chunk of my life savings. Come on. You know, I just realized how happy I would be as a 10-year-old kid looking into a little, like, window through time right now at myself, looking at a computer screen, you know, and I could see talking to people and, oh, watch this video clip holding up a pad. I would have been, I would have just, like, about flipped out. Yeah. I would have called up Scott Gardner and he would have thought I was insane. I just looked through a window at time, and guess what? Well, <laughs> We're this... talking about the new Star Wars movie. Yeah. yeah this... And they come out once it... a year. Yeah. On picture phone. Yeah, on picture phone. Talking on picture phone. <laughs> and we sit around and talk about it and to our computers for hours, and people listen to it. It's astounding. Um, but, yeah, and this, this movie was definitely uh, time travel in a way. And I was probably... You know, that's what I say about every Star Wars movie I see as an adult is that my, uh, my mustache disappears. I become 10 years old again, and that's when I know it's a Star Wars movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
it was a little time travel, but the, I mean, it was kind of filmed with some more modern techniques and and even older techniques that are different. You know, lots of handheld camera and uh, yeah. Just think of the the special editions Lucas would be doing if he still had his hands on stuff with after seeing that technology. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, I think that we may still actually we could possibe find out that. <laughs> Someday. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? For you know, episode twenty, they'll they'll bring him back for out of the I, nursing home. <laughs> it, it it I I thought it it, it was going to be hard to like split the difference. But if you're gonna if you're gonna lead right up to Star Wars and not have the same like visual storytelling technique, you know, Star Wars had a very like. Kind of yeah. There's not one damn wipe in this movie. No, not one. Oh no, you're right. I didn't even think of that. Not one. It's not even a worthy title card, really. But no, <laughs> nope. Yeah, the title card seemed a little bit hurried, or, or just like a little. But it it went by fast. And speaking of titles, they do they do titles every time they change locations, which is again not a Star Wars technique. Yeah. And you know what was weird though is when they get to Darth Vader's castle, I don't think they gave a title. No, they didn't. They didn't no. go. They, they, they just said, "Remember when Ralph McQuarrie designed this?" Well, I guess it is. I guess it is supposed to be Mustafar. I read yeah. in an article. Yeah. And as even though you guys probably haven't listened to that far in the podcast, to Scott Gardner and I, that that proves us right. We were like, and we were joking too. We we're like. Maybe that's where Vader goes to get in touch with where he was reborn and get angry, and that's basically the that their rational, the, you know, their their reason for doing it. So yeah, or it's just the the Emperor keeping him on a leash in some way. You know, like hey, yeah, we set up, you know, or you got a castle. It's on Mustafar. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a problem with that, do you? But yeah. that's a great place to send, you know, generals and lackeys to. Oh, yeah. to Go and talk to Vader because you, yeah. Easier. I don't think we've seen the last of Vader Castle either. Well, he chokes him out. He can just kick him off a ledge, and lava takes care of the rest. (laughs) 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 Don't even need a droid cleanup crew for that. A lot of the changes y'all are describing, I think actually, it it was hard for me to get into the film. I've only seen it the one time. I would say it it made it hard for me to kind of. I don't know, immerse myself or really get into it initially because the music was noticeably different. The aesthetic of the shots were different. There were no fades or wipes or any of that kind of stuff. It just looked different. It looked like, a, a to me, a more modern kind of action movie, maybe more like a Marvel superhero movie. It but, did, uh, but but then at the same time, production design wise, it was right on target. I think no, and that's true, and that that definitely, I mean, that definitely helped as well. And I and I eventually, and I think the story also at the beginning, you know, bounces around quite a bit, and that was a common refrain I've read and heard uh, since the movie came out. However, you know, once uh, once things got going, I, I was definitely into it. But it was, I had the same feeling with Force Awakens, though. You know, maybe it's just that it's you know, stimulus overload where I'm trying to take in as much as possible as quickly as possible. But, um, yeah, it took me a little bit to get into the, uh, to rogue one, but once we got into it, I, I ended up really, really enjoying it. I, I didn't mind that it bounced around a lot. I just thought it could have bounced around better. If that makes okay. sense. All right. 
uh, I, I thought the character introductions were weak. It's interesting because, and we were having this discussion on Dinner for Geeks last night, uh, and believe it or not, I miraculously got that episode yeah, out. I saw that. Uh, strangely enough. Um, but you know, there was a lot of, you know, Ryan says, well, the character introductions were, were thin because they had a lot of ground to cover before the movie was over. But at the same time, there were times when the movie would grind to a halt where they would describe the plot to us. Yeah. And I would rather have less plot description because I can see that. I can pick that up. Right. And I'd rather have had more character and less plot description. Well, Star Wars is classically visual storytelling, too. Yeah. Almost, you know, it's it's that's almost like part of the core of it. So that, that this got that sort of exposition added to it was another different factor yeah. altogether. I did. I didn't for so, like the first the first two acts. I just in the movie theater, I just sailed, sailed through it. I was like, click, clicked right in. I don't know. No, I was too. I, I kind of nitpicked it a little more. Yeah, it's pretty much impossible. On my second for me to viewing, I'm sure I'm going to be going like, <laughs> yeah. let's get on with this exposition. I, I did have these concerns when when we first watched it, and but they they didn't get any worse on the second viewing, but they're definitely pronounced. And I, I call that- it the uh, the Force Awakens Millennium Falcon fast travel scene, is because I I thought that was lacking. That I would have loved to have just had more of. Of Finn and Ray and Han and Chewie hanging out in in the Falcon for fifteen well, I read 20 the, minutes. The comic adaptations of the the Timothy Zahn novels. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was reading that it, it struck me they were like, All right, well we gotta go to this planet. It's gonna take us ten days. Right. Yeah. You know, they pack up provisions onto the ship and like settle in for a ten day flight you know where in force awakens it was just like everybody everything was just a button push away yeah so things were just popping into the you know the story was so it just compressed the story by everything could pop in and and that sort of continued into some of the dynamics of rogue one too you know at the battle at the end everybody just sort of like at the last second you know plopping in instead of having this you know stage all the fighters somewhere you know right, and then right so and it maybe it's just that's a personal choice i just like to see some of that logistical stuff but it's more that i wasn't sure that the uh, camaraderie we got when they arrived at scarif was as earned as it could have you know give me yes. 10 more minutes with these people yes. just hanging out in the spaceship and i will yeah. buy and their deaths are going to mean a lot more to me for one yeah well even the conflict between them even the conflict between um um, not Ray and Han Solo with an accent. <laughs> yeah. Um, was, you know, I mean, it was it was sort of a story element conflict. You know, you yep. want to kill my father, you know, type of <laughs> type of thing. So I don't like you. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, and there was a and and there was the fun sort of uh, friction with the robot, but other, otherwise, you know, I mean, there 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 definitely could have been a lot more. Um, conflict with guy with no name, imperial pilot with no name, could have you know they could have been a lot more given him the hairy eyeball or you know I mean if they are th- these are guys who slit throats in the night, so yeah. they, they they might you know they could have been a little more paranoid. I think Disney was trying to you know ride the line between knowing that they had a this the 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 ending to this and like. 
Do we want to, you know, if we do too much backstory on each of these characters, it's going to be a three-hour movie. And if yeah. we don't do enough, it's going to be thin. But, but it's but, it, it, if, and if we build these characters to where everybody loves them, loves all the characters and their interplay, and then we kill them, want them back? Yeah. How's that? You know, maybe we maybe we want to maybe we want to set a little. You know, maybe I'm reading more into it than yeah, they keep them a little. Yeah, one dimension. No, because I expressed that I think uh, prior our force discussion and. Um, I did with Aaron Henley in that, you know, yeah, what if this what if this potentially even makes more than Force Awakens? And they're like, sequel, sequel, you know, for the people that don't realize that movie's already been made. <laughs> they, can, they can just do it by saying, oh, we're going to give Gareth Edwards another, you know, yeah, yeah, another uh, war story I'm movie. Feeling yep. if this makes like a billion dollars, like it probably will. Um, when it's all said and done, that they, they probably would be smart to do that, yeah. Yeah, well, worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> and it oh, yeah. doesn't have magic in it or ghosts in it, so it's uh, yeah, no force ghosts, the so they can play it in China. Uh, well, no, it's, it did uh, very well the first weekend. <laughs> it not only did very well first weekend, I was looking at some of the numbers earlier, but it's it's really benefited from the Christmas vacation oh, yeah. that everybody's on because, I mean, Monday it was doing – Monday and Tuesday it did 17 million. Wednesday it did 14, oh, almost 15 million. Yeah, each day. Uh, so by the end of today, I think by the end of yesterday, actually, it had already done uh, almost two hundred and fifty million. So I mean, it's, it's having very strong weekdays, and then heading into the weekend, of course, it's going to do well again as well because it's getting. I think it's getting excellent word of mouth. I mean, that's all I'm hearing. Yeah, I got. I'm looking that at that's uh, why box they, office they mojo the numbered ones uh, over to Christmas because wasn't uh, eight originally supposed to come out in May? I think. Well, uh, like, yeah, this this yeah. this coming May, yeah. yeah. I I hear mixed reviews in in like super Star Wars fan circles, but like it, not to the point of where it's like I'm done. I hated it. You know, yeah. it, it, even the mixed reviews or the negative reviews, they're, they're still going to go back a couple times. Yeah, and check well, it out and got stuff that they liked out of it. But general, like general audience people that like people, coworkers and stuff like that. Yes, are just like, oh, this. Well, uh, you know, it's and, and they love it because it's all it's to them, and just in general, it's all new characters, so they can just one and done it and and. You know, I I know everybody because everybody was introduced to me in this movie for, yeah. and I know RDD two and C three P so they're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jonathan, you had something about box office. Oh, well, I was just saying, I I while we were having that conversation, I pulled up Box Office Mojo, and as of yesterday, domestically it made two hundred twenty two million. Yep. And so, yep. foreign was foreign was an additional one hundred and ninety eight million. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's yes. at four hundred and twenty million as of yesterday. So. so yeah, I mean it's gonna clear a billion worldwide, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's rock and rolling for sure. Sorry, Scott uh Scott Rifan, I guess. You were trying to get in there for a second. Uh, I'm always trying to get in there for a second. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now we just uh, you know on Chris's point, you know, you were talking about how the the mainstream people, not the Star Wars Uber fans, were embracing it. But that's the thing, and that's and that's what these movies have always needed, and that's why you know mm-hmm. Clone Wars, you know, Disney didn't have a problem going down and shutting down the EU, and they didn't have a problem going into shutting down Clone Wars because those were things that were kind of let's call them preaching to the choir. 
they they appeal to the hardcore fan. And as much as as important as we think we are, uh, grand scheme of things, we don't sell a lot of tickets. Uh, you know, when you look at Clone Wars, the TV we're, show, we're also kind of guaranteed tickets too. You know, yeah, but but I mean, you're, Clone Wars maybe did a million pe- viewers an episode on a good week, right? Right, you know, a million viewers an episode on a good week, whereas The Force Awakens sold about a hundred million tickets. Yeah, right. So we're such a small portion of the real audience, and we can be good evangelists for it, <laughs> but. At the end of the day, they need those other guys. They need the straights, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the way I, I have one just personal anecdote about Clone Wars, and I guess the uh, you know the non-original fans' love of it is uh, I was with a, a woman a while back with a ten-year-old son, and he was just super fan of the Clone Wars, but I could not get this kid to watch the original series with me, the original trilogy. <laughs> so like, those are old people movies. Yeah. Like, but this is where all this came from. And I don't think I could even get him to watch the prequels. It was just yeah. like, all Clone Wars. I had a buddy I hadn't seen for years, and he showed up in town with his two boys, and he was telling me how crazy they were about Clone Wars, and he said, that is their Star Wars. They don't yeah. know anything about the movies. That was mm-hmm. pretty much uh, Molinex's Star Wars, though, isn't it? And she well, Hope, the- Hope, Hope Molinex, you know, her mother showed her Star Wars when she was young, but when she was really, like, paying attention and, like, on her own, it was like, yeah, Clone Wars was the Star Wars. Yeah, that that she, you know, got her into Star Wars. Yeah. And, and-, she, and like, when, when we just did uh, the prequel commentaries to the prequels in the last three weeks and... You know, when when viewing them with her was so interesting because she views them in the context of the Clone Wars. Yeah. yeah. So she's like, oh, there's this character, you know, or, you know, we're never going to see Rex in in the trilogy. But, you know, um, that's my goal now is to watch all Clone Wars and then go back and watch the prequels again. I'm. I'm gonna I'm gonna cycle all over. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 gonna brag on that. I was so, I sort of predicted that. It, I don't think it was really super prescient of me, but I I figured with when Disney took out the EU that they were still gonna and they took out Clone Wars that they were still gonna pull stuff. They were gonna pull stuff in. I thought Clone Wars was official canon. It's not. It oh yeah, it is. It, it is? is. Yeah, they just took it off the air. They just canceled it. Oh, yeah, right. 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 Even if it wasn't canon, they could still, you know, once you pull oh, yeah, something they, back in, it becomes canon. So now Thrawn's yeah. canon again. He's oh. just a different canon, but it's yeah. Thrawn. And they can, I noticed the last episode, uh, the last episode they used Thrawn in, they <clears throat> utilized him, it seemed, very similarly to the way Timothy Zahn utilized, or the, his dynamic in chasing and yeah. almost catching and, you know, just the, in his... Is when just, showing his analytical his mind of, of general thing, the general thing of Thrawn, put it in a different time period, tweak him a little bit, and off you go. And and I and I figure they'll be doing that, you know, by just and that's where the super fans come in again. Is you you just pay attention to what they're saying on Reddit or whatever, yeah. and you know people are going, I want to see this character, and if you get enough of them, it's like, oh, you know, if we throw this in, it's gonna help create buzz with those guys and we only have to throw three seconds of it in and they're, they're going to go nuts you know and and if the generals like it then hey it'll get I'm I'm really enjoying how they're taking I, I sometimes I think they overdo it with the with the um, references but taking the touchstones of what we already know with Star Wars and 
the movies and now, you know, the TV, Rebels and Clone Wars and parts of, you know, the books that they're bringing in and use those as touchstones and then just slowly keep pushing out the the universe a little more, flushing it out a little more. And, and you know, it's like you're just pulling a little section from time and space, completing it, sticking it back in. Pull well, in, that regard, in that regard, I really feel like this one, much more than Episode 7, to me feels like a really kind of cohesive film with the rest of the new Disney, you know, Star Wars universe. It yeah. had tons of references to Clone Wars stuff, had tons of obviously references to the, you know, A New Hope. It had a ton of Rebels references mm-hmm. and it had a lead in novel that really did tie into the story very directly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to me, this is almost like, the Force Awakens was like what they needed to just really kickstart everything. This, to me, is probably, hopefully, a better idea of what to expect going forward yeah. in terms of the greater fan universe. If, well, if I was thinking if this this movie didn't work for me, if I didn't like it, like or it, it, you know, it didn't it didn't work for me in the theater, I would probably still come out of it going, well. You know, I didn't enjoy the movie, but it sure does enhance the crawl in Star Wars, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, well, yeah. and and yeah. It, it, it adds a little it adds weight of when you say, you, you know, you see spies. It's like, I know who those spies are. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it adds to it. It's that collector's thing of putting a book on your shelf or putting the comic in the bag and putting it in the box sort of thing. And. They're, they're, they're doing that well. So, like, even if I didn't like this movie, I'd probably go back to it enough times to where I did like it, <laughs> you know, because I would be putting to get the, the pieces of it. I did a lot of that with the with the prequels, with a lot of the, the, the parts of the prequels that didn't work for me. I was still, like, riding home from the theater with my friends going... Ah, but Palpatine's doing this and this and this and this. Let's uh, let's try to jump back to our our old format just briefly. Give everyone like five minutes around and of their general. Uh, what do you want? Ju- yeah, just- like uh, what were your expectations of the film, maybe, uh, and then what was your you know conclusion, I suppose. And I want to get back on references later too. And uh, one of my very small nitpicks was how heavy-handed a couple of them were. Mm. Uh, I guess we could do that now, but I just, uh, I don't know, Jonathan, why don't you just give us a few minutes on it and sure. work our way around? Um, you know, well, this was an interesting one for me because when I heard the initial title of Rogue One, my personal journey into Star Wars fandom really was around you know I was a kid in the 90s when the expanded universe really took off and I was a voracious reader and when a friend of mine at school lent me his copy or maybe his brother's copy of Mike Stackpole's Rogue Squadron novel that was how I really got into the idea that there was even Star Wars stories other than the movies out there and I always loved uh, those X-Wing stories and, you know, that expanded. Then we had to play TIE Fighter. Then we played Rogue Squadron a lot when it was on the N64, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
I've always had a special place in my heart for that kind of story. And when I heard the title Rogue One, I immediately thought, no way are they going to do like an X-Wing movie. But And so expectations were like at a peak almost immediately. Then over time as we found out, oh, no, this is going to be about them stealing the Death Star plans, etc. So I, you know, I was still very excited, but okay, well, this isn't going to be the X-Wing movie I was hoping oh, wait, for. It's that's a prequel to Rogue Squadron, though, as well. I mean, if you want. Well, and so I think really, it's sort though, of how Rogue Squadron got its name, too. Yeah, well, yeah, and I was actually going to say, like, it actually, in, in kind of main, uh, I guess, like, keeping my expectations in check, I feel like the ending especially actually exceeded them almost back to what I was hoping for to begin with. It was actually an awesome X-Wing movie in the end and also set up a lot of that lore going into A New Hope and beyond. So I actually really, really enjoyed it. I, um, I would say it probably exceeded my expectations. I thought it had good humor i thought the story i mean the story we all knew the story it wasn't necessarily the outcome was ever in doubt it was what the price would be and what the uh characters would they or would they not survive that kind of thing that's where the drama was um yeah i know i liked it that's what scott that's what I uh, I I like the movie a lot too. There, but there are obviously the criticisms obviously stand out from something like this because it's something we all know and we all love. So when things kind of are a little abrasive to you, that that's kind of what uh, announces itself. Um, going into the film, I I had a pretty clean palette as far as expectations go. Um, you know, I, I'd read Catalyst. I enjoyed Catalyst. I do think. I think everybody who is a Star Wars fan who goes to see this movie and has any enjoyment of this movie owes it to themselves to read Catalyst. Oh, don't get uh, I, I, I feel very, very strongly about that. Uh, I, I think uh, the relationship between uh, Galen Erso and, and uh, director Krennic is so enhanced by reading that book. Uh, I just, I really think people owe it to themselves to, to read that if they're fans, but um, look, I've seen the movie at the theaters three times. Nice. I plan on going back sometime in the next few days. I have dozed off at every single viewing. <laughs> uh, even the first viewing? Even the first viewing. Is it the bark allowed uh, your seats? <laughs> part of it is the yeah. comfort of the theater. Uh, <laughs> and, and part of it is just that sometimes the first two acts, well, let me just say this. I say the first two acts, but I don't know, I can't, I haven't sat down to really parse the storyline a lot, uh, which I which I tend to do, but it, it doesn't feel traditional three act structure to me, and I think no. that's part of the problem I have with the pacing it's, of the it's film. It's more like the first two thirds of the movie is uh, like a better descriptor because they don't really yeah. sort of play into acts. It's, at least it's, to me, at it's very video gamey. It's mission, 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 mm. mission, mission, um, and, and so. From a rhythm perspective, it's a little off to me. The, the cinematography in the first two thirds of the film also much darker than I feel like it needs to be. Uh, I've seen it on two different screens now: one large format and one a regular format. I've not seen it in 3D. Um, and, and somebody suggested to me that maybe the issues with the darkness were that they'd left the 3D filter on. Apparently, a lot of theaters are doing that, nice. just leaving their 3D filters on when they're not doing 3D, and so it's darkening the screens. The problem is, I know for a fact because. 
the manager's a friend of mine, that the large format screen that we have in town is incapable of 3D. Mm-hmm. So they don't have a filter for it. Uh, it just looks very dark to me. And, and I'm not talking thematically. I'm just talking about visually. I think it's a little darker than it needs to be. And then that third act, which we I think we can establish is a good third act, is so bright and so yeah. vibrant and so alive with, with color and light that mm-hmm. it, it really sets itself apart from the rest of the film visually. And I don't know if that's what they were aiming for, but I, I do feel like they could have picked up the brightness on this. And I'm going to go try it on a lot of different screens. I plan on seeing it a number of times while it's still in theaters. Um, but you that see it three big... or four more and take a nap and you'll yeah, eventually yeah. have one <laughs> full movie viewing. Yeah. That's, I, have, I do at this point have a full movie because I always fall asleep at different points. <laughs> but I will tell you the different points are always the talky parts. It's yeah. always the talky parts during the first two thirds of the film that I, I wind up dozing off during. And uh, so, it, you know, that part of my beef, as we talked about earlier, is it's a little too talky. I think the uh, the cinematography is a little too dark. Um, the I, I'm going to say this about Tarkin because we really haven't gone there yet. I think Tarkin is a stand up double. I don't think Tarkin's a home run, um, but I admire them for putting it out there and doing it. Uh, and I will say that in five to ten years, we're going to look back on that Tarkin and think about what a joke it looks like because of how well they're going to be doing it by then. Yeah, uh, Gardner and I were saying that like there's been CG people de-aged and done with stuff, but when yeah. they talk about characters, it's going to be before B- BT and PT. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and this this is going to be the wave of the future. And and, uh, and one of the reasons I appreciate it, even though to me it was just a stand-up double, it wasn't quite the home run, is I was worried when Disney took over Star Wars that it was going to be all fan service and no innovation. Yes, uh, and, yes. And one thing I always appreciated about George Lucas, whether you liked his stuff or not, he was always pushing the ball forward. He was always pushing the medium forward. Uh, I remember language. When, when episode two came out and he shot it totally digitally and kept telling all the theaters, you need to be showing this digitally. It's the yeah. only way I really want it shown. And the theater owners were laughing at him. Them. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. rightfully so. You know, but they were forced it into, he forced it to happen yeah and it was gonna happen they kept saying well we're never gonna do that that's not we're not gonna we we can't agree on a standard nothing's gonna last blah 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 james cameron did the same thing with avatar really he he forced 3d theaters with that sure absolutely and james cameron's another guy who who makes really shitty films that move the medium forward yeah yeah and uh (laughs) Uh, but, yeah, Lucas moved the medium forward, and I was always worried that when you just started doing fan service movies on a regular basis, you wouldn't push it forward. And Tarkin, for the flaws that I saw in him, the the shining, the bright shining thing about Tarkin to me is that he is pushing it forward. This is the future. And the other thing is that this movie did a lot of dipping back into the Lucas archives. And if you remember, Bo- uh, Lucas talked about this. This was a Lucas idea. This was one of Lucas's ambitions. He talked for a number of years about how we are going to be digitally recreating the stars of yesteryear and making new movies with them. Yep. So here we are. It's dipping back into the Lucas archives. That's one thing I loved about the movie was it was full of these old Ralph McQuarrie. You know, the Death Troopers are Ralph McQuarrie designs. Darth yeah. Vader's castle is Ralph McQuarrie designed from the original film. Um, it, there, There's so much 
old school, let's go into the archives and draw from the original source. And and that's what I'm a fan of is the George Lucas stuff. And well, that Rebels has been hitting Ralph McQuarrie's sure. style a lot, Ab- too. Absolutely. But I wondered if that was just a flourish or if that was really mm-hmm. kind of the overall philosophy. And it seems to me when you look at Rogue One, it's the overall philosophy. Uh, and, and again, and what I've said a number of times publicly is I think the last 30 minutes of that film is about as good as anything they've ever put together. Uh, it, suspense, design, action, uh, it's it, fun factor, it's all there. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about character introductions lacking. I think they were, and to the point that the only character death I got really worked up about was K2SO. Yes. Uh, when he died, I was beside myself. The rest of them, I kind of went, oh, that's too bad. You know, and that was it. I, th- I think Bays and Chirrut are the beginning of something cool, but I don't think they're there. I think I think there's a backstory there that they've come up with that's not in the film. We're going to get books and comics the re- on them. Yeah, I think we will. I think you're right. And uh, you know, I the think there's thing- a junior grade reader level novel on the way for them. And wow. please tell me, please tell me, somebody tell me that they're going to make the original cut available at some point. I think we deserve to see what they did originally and what they turned it into. I'm, I'm, I wondered about that, but something in me says th- that with Star Wars, they don't want to do, they wouldn't want to do stuff like that. They don't do it like with that. the Marvel movies either. I, I think they're, yeah. you got to respect them but, for being but, like, this is but, it, you know. Yes, but this I, one I was so dramatically there, changed. I, I got a big butt on that, though, because I just read an article and, and Gardner and I were trying to figure out, you know, what the changes and cuts were, judging by what we saw in the trailers opposed to what we saw in the movie. Yeah. And, uh, and Gareth Edwards sort of said he was sort of self-censoring and was not going to take the movie to where everybody was going to die because he just assumed Disney would not want to have the second star, you know, to go that dark. And I don't know if he voiced that to Disney or they got wind of it, but they Disney sort of said to him, hey, look, we see how that that's how it would work the best. Do it. Go ahead and do it. And it wasn't until they gave him the nod that he was like, "Okay, we're going to. And he said he'd scrapped plans of shooting other scenes just so he wouldn't even have those scenes. And well, that's shot been it, shot fan the wind, concern the, since they took over. I mean that they would Disneyfy Star Wars, you know. So I mean that's been out there. There um, and yeah, is I think a just layer had, of that, but it's the thinnest veneer of it. And I and I mean you sort of gotta have a little bit of you know. And it's 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 maybe even just like a level of quality of like. Not that this is just, it's not even a Disney side project or side studio. This is a tentpole thing. So it's got to have that quality to it. And I don't think, like, they'll ever go full, like, rated R with a Star Wars movie or or something like that. But I think they they learned from Marvel that it's, like, sort of, and, and... you know, I think in negative from like the big studio, the other big studios, which are always like tinkering with movies and trying to to work movie. You know, the classic yeah. studio thing is to try to get a, a you know a boardroom full of people and get yeah. some you know, demographics and it's generally not getting things. a lot of people critical acclaim for it. Quantify <laughs> everything and and there's there's a there's an amount of that. 
in almost every movie now, even Disney movies, even Disney Star Wars movies, like, you know, having having Asian characters so that it has a promotion point in China, you know, even though there's no Asia in space. Right, right. <laughs> But, you know, have a character that's vaguely martial arts or not even very vaguely martial, you know, martial arts oriented. He's, and, he's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that's going to, you know, affect, I mean, you know, definitely worldwide market is is factored into movies a, a great deal these days. But they 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 know, you know, how to 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 balance all those plates on sticks you know and they have and they i mean how many years has marvel been doing their thing for and and you know that disney's watching that and going oh, okay and oh, yeah. no yeah. Well, they're doing well, i think they're taking the same here. approach with these movies yeah. and that yeah. marvel but, is but, making superhero movies in that they're making genre movies with superheroes in get, it. get yeah, people i think get people too. that you trust to make them yeah. and let them make them yeah. Yeah, I think the difference with Marvel, obviously, though, is that they're playing with one contemporaneous timeline and working towards events, whereas Star Wars has kind of a a, a multi-generational timeline that they need to pick and choose spots yeah, where they yeah. do their films. And yeah. they're not really building towards any one thing. So it's a, I think it's a little trickier for the Star Wars guys, but I think they're doing it. I think they're doing it well. And I also think there's a lot of precedent for doing that, like with um, when Dark Horse did Marvel Tales and stuff like that. There were there were parts of this where I was like, where I thought to myself, I you know I don't think I could be disappointed in this movie because at the very least it's like a really good um, Dark Horse comic or yeah. Marvel Marvel yeah. Star Wars comic. You know, it's got or, or a really good novel or something. It's mm. it's got. That's that sort of feel to it. You know, you know, Marvel Tales would like, oh, we'll get a goofy, we'll do a little more comedy here, we'll go off in a different direction, or we'll do this one like a parody of a Western movie or something. And oh, there's a little of that. On... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, there's a little of that spirit, I think, showing in Rogue One. <clears throat> well, I wanted to piggyback on something, Sky, and I think John said that this felt like a great Star Wars video game to me in all mm. the best ways. In that, and I'm the video game guy, so I've played like all of them. But they it will be a, felt, it will be a Star Wars video oh, it, game. There's so. tons of yeah levels in this one. They could just knock yeah. it out, you know, easily if, if they want to. Oh, well, I think they're already doing some Rogue One DLC stuff with the the new Battlefront. <laughs> Battlefront, game. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a, what I always used to love about the older video games is they were just so well. I mean, they all had their own crawl and everything too, and and they always just felt like they were always crafted so they could. They were EU stuff, essentially. You know, they could fit in the, the, the storyline that we already knew, and they were just seasoning. You know, it was just like this, you know, and they even had some that, like, some of the storylines, I think, like, the first Dark Forces game actually ended up with, you know, the mission to steal the plans. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was, like, the first, you know, iteration of, of that to, to kind of explain the story before that. So when I originally read, you know, what they were kind of planning on this, I'm like, well, okay, yeah, uh, why not? And then I read that they were going to make it kind of like real war movie, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> F yeah, because that's kind of the... <laughs> I'm such a pacifist, too, but man, I love war <laughs> movies. Um, 
and I'm just you know a sucker for the storming the beaches thing well, and all that. Well, good. Let's let me take this to you then, because mm-hmm. one of the things that has confused me was. And you being a pacifist who loves war movies, you may be the exact person to answer this. One of the one of the the weird things to me about this movie is they are a group of people. They have banded together. They are armed to the teeth at this point, and yet they're actually still having discussions as to whether they're going to go to war. That that confused me because I thought surely they have all they all agree they're going to war, or else they wouldn't have armed themselves up like this. Yeah, yeah they're all they're all right. They were already a rebellion. And at that point, like, what good was surrender? They've committed to it, you know. At that at that point, surrender would have just been death, and 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 at least have a fighting. And it might have been. It might have been just. I mean, if that whole sequence was sort of real time, it might. You know, you might have a moment like that where the Mon Mothma, who's sort of more of on the, you know, upper levels of things, and not down in the trenches are like well let's you know let's chicken out and and other people going oh, yeah and maybe it's a process rebellions have to i don't i've never been in a rebellion of that scale so i don't know if yeah, that's a process you just it's like denial you know you have to go through the like i give up and then you know it's a certain point a certain percentage of them are going well we're gonna go kill everybody in until they kill us. See you guys well, later. No, no, no. And everybody See, I, else goes, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, they're right. We should go too. I felt and, like it, it fit in with New Hope fine because in New Hope they're talking about dissolving the Senate. So at this mm-hmm. point I think – I feel like the rebellion is think, more yeah, of – The what? Senate wasn't dissolved at that point, yeah. Right. No, yeah, they didn't do it until New Hope, yeah. yeah. So I feel like this rebellion such as it is is more kind of a – an ideological rebellion and mm-hmm. there's still kind of some structure going on because they're still calling Mon Mothis senator and there's Senator mm-hmm. Organa. So they're still connected to the Empire and doing this stuff covertly possibly and there's obviously other factions like Saws that are doing things a little more guerrilla, you know, and, and they're... Maybe or guerrilla. Or Guerrero. <laughs> but, Guerrero but, warfare. And saw, I don't know if you, if you How is that this not a not? meme yet? Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Let me get on that. Um, uh, I don't but know. But I, I feel like they're still trying to, you know, maybe do things diplomatically over here, at least on the, mm. uh, on, on, you know, overtly. But and, they uh, obviously have conceded to the possibility of war at some point because they have acquired a massive amount of weaponry. Yeah. Right, right. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys caught this or not. But Saw Guerrero, obviously, they keep talking about how he's an extremist, and you know he's doing these ambushes in the streets. And when his people are in the streets fighting, they are wearing essentially they're wearing hijabs and robes. <laughs> you bet, yeah. I mean, they are was, they are very much lost on me. Yeah, they're oh. very much represented as you know the, these are Middle Eastern terrorists, and this is you know this it's, is it's, this yeah, is what yeah. they're fighting for. Well, you you have la- you have the the rogue on the sly senators. You've got the French Foreign Legion guys who are slitting yeah. the throats, and and then you've got ISIS <laughs> and Saw Guerrero, I guess is I I mean he's often described in like the publicity stuff as being basically insane. He's yeah he's gone he's gone insane from Colonel Kurtz. too many puffs off his uh, ventilator there, or spent yeah, too much time with his giant slug monster. Frank well, Booth. Let, let me ask you guys this i remember during the lead up to episode seven there was a lot of the one of the rumors was that uh, max von Sydow's character was a clone wars veteran and was a character we'd seen before 
And I'm wondering if I'm wondering if this isn't because the two movies were in development at the same time. If this wasn't the leak, that it was actually Saw Guerrera that they were talking about that that got out and got it could very well be because he fit he fit the description every because I've actually gone back and looked at the old rumors. He fits every bit of what they said about this. You know, he was an old grizzled Mm -hmm. Clone Wars veteran. Well, you know what that means. What's that? All the rumors we're getting now are for episode nine or Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. hmm. You heard no, it here I, first on Two True Freaks. Let me hop in there real quick. The um, I don't think it was by mistake that uh, Jetta had very much a you know Jerusalem or mm, yeah. you know, some Middle Eastern city just in its look and even yeah. even even outside the city when they were going into the countryside. I mean, it looked like when you see, I don't know, when you see photo essays from war-torn countryside in Pakistan or Afghanistan or somewhere like that, yeah. like that's what it looks like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I do think that's an interesting choice. Um, it's a visual language these days, sort of in movies. You know what I mean? Right. There, I mean, to cr- cross the streams, there's been sort of elements of that showing up in Star Trek too, in the Star mm-hmm. the Star Trek movies. So yeah. it's yeah, it's, I think it's just because it's it's a quick visual shorthand. Well, also and 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 why I mean why not? They've had virgin births in in Star Wars now. Why not yeah. have like a, a you know? The, and it seems like with the Jedi, there's probably more than one like sort of holy ground zero areas but there's probably a few of them and that's this seemed like something that like at one time the Jedi were there doing their thing and now it's long past that and this sort of just very much like any any holy land it's like all sorts of people are there and there's probably people there on pilgrimages and a lot of people on you know Moss Eisley style yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the obviously uh Chirrut and Bays were guardians of the wills. And, and, and I guess that was one of the temples of the wills was that kind of tall structure in the middle of the city. And holy so, freaking uh, crap, we got the wills name dropped. In I whacked I whacked Scott two point in the theater as soon as I heard the word wills, I'm just like Wills, they said wills. <laughs> yeah, it's that to me that really is that's kind wills of a with crazy an H. It's kind of Bills. a crazy thing, especially when I feel like, you know, that would have been something I, I in hindsight, it's like, wow, I can't believe George never referenced that with everything else. That this was, is a, I, I swear, maybe that's a, just a middle finger to him or something, but, like, but yeah, we, uh, got your, we got your property now, George. We're going to bring this back. Yeah, seriously. I don't think it can be an accident because the oh, first it's time it's, no. it's become canon you know, in the new Disney canon anyway, or in any canon, because the original stuff is canon, but the first time it actually became canon was the novelization for Force Awakens. That's right. And mm. so we, we get it dropped, you know, in this you, you, too. You know, why, you know why they put the wills in there? Because we LTS. Love that shit. Yes, we do. <laughs> love it. Well, um, and who knows, you know. We we'll love it even more if they the address it trilogy. in the next two movies. <laughs> if I meet you know, a will in the next two movies, I will probably have a heart they, attack and die. Well, they have I was about to say, it makes me wonder if maybe maybe that's where Luke is at right now. You know, maybe he's in some... Yeah. 
you know, other wills temple, or it'll be related somehow. It wouldn't be beyond them, I don't think, to lay some seeds here. And they could tie those two together, yeah. Movies. And, and, I agree. And, very happy nerd. Yes. And I, I think also if you're going to continue on with Star Wars movies and have the Force be a component in it, and I would always, and I always think that they would sort of. There's like I was describe, saying to Scott Gardner, like the characters in the, the the Skywalker clan and friends are almost like the demigods of Star Wars. Yeah, you know they're they're up in the they're they're operating in the le- the levels where the Force is really moving events, and then you have stories around that and ancillary to that. But if you're going to keep having movies with the Force in it, you sort of have to widen and deepen the 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 mythos of it which is going to be hard you, you don't want to you know you don't want to midichlorian it to where it becomes you know sort of a science with rules and and stuff yeah. like that you want to keep the mysterious religious aspect of it but you're going to have to add to it or and i i watched force awakens before i went to, the night before i went to see rogue one and i you know, I was I was noticing the way that they were the the force was working in there as almost there were you know points where either the force was used or the force was consciously like uh oh I don't need these two characters don't need to be together anymore <sighs> I'm gonna crack the earth you know hmm. which the force you, you know the force seemed to act through people and the others this was the first time where like force things were happening you know that where you know god cracks open the earth and you know these two are not ready to you know it's i'm not ready to let her kill him yet or whatever which yeah. is also means the writers too right. <laughs> but, why did yeah. it protect Truett on the way back i mean he gets to throw the switch but you know well, well because, it's funny because he wasn't leaving anyway you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> For a movie with no Jedi, that was one thing I left the theater kind of pleasantly surprised, is that there was more discussion about the Force, the nature of the Force, um, Mm -hmm. and outright, like, overt, like, faith in this film than maybe anything since, I don't know, for quite a while. I'm not sure what would be a, a good comparison, but... I was not anticipating that, I guess, in a film with uh, no Jedi and, you know, only well, a cameo well, just taking, taking Han Solo as being just sort of like you're more of a, a Joe Denizen of the Star Wars universe. In Star Wars, he sort of treated, um, you know, um, the Force like, you know, somebody, somebody who is an atheist or agnostic, you know, somebody... Eh, you know, whatever. It's just something like that. So, you know, and there's in in this one, and maybe it's because we're closer to that holy area. Yeah, there you, you're seeing people on the the ground level of society who are who are not just like, oh yeah, I I I, I know the force exists. They're they're they have chants, you know, and they have uh, you know things that they say. They obviously have rituals and costumes and. You know, side religions built on it, or you know, more you know, mystical sects and stuff. And I love, I've always loved that aspect ever since back to Splinter of the Mind's Eye, where you had yeah. Hala, who was like not a Jedi, but she was kind of a witch, 
force sensitive person. I and um, and I can't, what what is it? Bendu from Rebels. Yeah, yeah. The stuff like that well, is starting to come in, and yeah. I, I'm enjoying it. People go to church, but they're you know they're not all David, right? You know, <laughs> so, or people I guess should, should say people go to synagogue, but they're not all David. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that and that's why I hate when midi chlorians get run down by the way as well just because uh it, it's not the force isn't the midi chlorians it isn't in the midi chlorians it's right the midi chlorians are in everybody it's just it, it it does interact with that more and it's a way for people to shorthand and actually to me the midi chlorians are a great element of the prequel story because um their reliance on things like midi-chlorian counts to see who's worthy of being a Jedi was the wrong thing to do. Sure. It was and one of a also, lot of wrong things the Jedi were doing back then. Right, right. It also explains why Darth Vader is, isn't making, you know, 500-foot parkour jumps right. anymore because he's yeah. he's literally missing, what, two, probably like <laughs> – Good Half record. of his midichlorians, you know, <laughs> with, just between his legs and his arm, yeah. you know, and so there are at least a third of his midichlorians. So, it, and 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 I think that was a nice little red herring that George Lucas threw in there. It was just sort of a little tantalizing. Um, but you know, at the same time, there are people who are stronger in the Force than others. <laughs> And, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the whole purpose of Luke and, and Anakin and all of that. And, and Vader senses it. And nobody had a problem with people when they said, well, the Force is strong in this one. Right. Uh, but then all of a sudden when you said, well, wh- how do you know that? Well, because the midichlorians, oh, we can't. What are you doing? You can't quantify the Force. Well, I think it was also a way from if, you know, he was planning on doing the virgin birth thing, that it was a way to make mm-hmm. it a little more sciencey than just God came it was down through, and impregnated her. It was, yeah, it was, um, it was Sidious and, and Darth Vader. You know, the allegory was the pretty heavy already. We didn't yeah. need to go quite full, all in on it. Yeah. Well, I also, um, I, like Scott was saying earlier, um, I think it was also sort of a story element of how the Jedi – had lost their way and just yep. sort of yeah, gotten into I this agree. banal yeah. where they were treating treating their their religion or their you know their entire life and the force you know the force of life in the universe as a hey let's take a blood test see what your midichlorians are you know yeah. instead of working with the living force and flowing with it they just become this sort yeah. of established dogma and if, factory. And if you yeah. and if you you know read any of the Hollow Net news stuff around episode two, I mean they were showing up at people's homes and grabbing their babies and midi chlorian counting them and going, okay, you got enough, let's take them and yep. and yanking yeah. people's babies out of their houses, you know. And so uh, to me, the midi chlorians really are evidence. It's it's funny because a lot of people use it as evidence George Lucas was wrong, but I think George was using it as evidence that the Jedi were wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean. Uh, so when you see a character like, uh, you know, Chirrut, it is refreshing to see somebody who, you know, in the Jedi's day didn't make the cut, obviously. Yeah. But he probably could have been a great to. Jedi. Maybe he's just yeah. like, maybe he knew. Maybe he's like, yeah. ah, I don't need these people to tell me, you know. <laughs> yeah. I just, maybe, for maybe me. He I just listened to it. Yeah, maybe he recognized they were wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Certainly Qui-Gon did. That's why he was at odds with them. Yeah. See, I, I saw him as being force sensitive, but not a force manipulator. He's, you know, when he had to do something, like when he shot down that TIE fighter 
what he did i what it seemed like he was doing was just as i i'll go and use my heightened senses since you know i'm blind the, I you know that trope think that's what they're trying to show us with ray and force awakens though well no that... but no uh, let, uh, let me finish here <laughs> <laughs> and and he would just like take his his stick laser took his stick laser and he's like i'm gonna move my stick laser is that, <laughs> is that the, the name the... pablo hidalgo gave it the stick laser <laughs> what, what, yeah yeah the, his well well scott and i were calling him yes, 75 stick. we were stick calling laser. him space stick that was his name space for the, stick. the show and he was just he just sort of used like spidey sense you know he'd move his laser and then he'd be like oh i should fire now boom and it's just like yep that's just the right moment and the force would guide him and you know he would be like okay walk it was sort of like neo getting instructions but less direct you so know he's also pretty much how obi-wan a, tried to he teach was, he was a creature yeah, he was a creature of faith he was like right i have yeah he has 100% faith in the force so he knows if he just walks in that faith he yeah. can walk past well, all the lasers i think the, the overall will, lesson the is going to be that trying to ma- manipulate the force is where people go wrong I think right. that well, it's, that's like, it's supposed it, to be gone on complete instinct and faith. Well, it's, it's, well, well, what I imagine the Jedi were doing with the for, with the Force babies and the midichlorians where they were like, so far, you know, ninety eight to one hundred percent of Jedi's with a you know a midichlorian count above this point enter into the Jedi Order. They the Force yeah. brings them to the Jedi Order. So why not just cut, you know, let's let's get them tra- let's start training them early, you know? Yep. And when we find somebody who's 75% or above, they're going to end up at the Jedi Temple anyway. Yep. So why not just man. grab them? You know, and that's yep. and that's where they started screwing up or mm-hmm. they you know, that was a big screw up. Yep. Well, absolutely. One thing with uh, Chirrut as well, in that scene where he shoots down the Tie Fighter, I felt it was more like, like y'all said, but not just that he was feeling the Force, but that he was almost like a like a medium or a conduit for the conduit. Force in that moment. Because the Tie Fighter, not only does he shoot it down, but it spins and crashes right directly into the command center for that base they're attacking. Yes, it's so the I mean it's like a, you know that's an impossible scenario. Unless there was some, you know, guidance or something, kind of yeah, like it, making the shot on the Death Star. Oh, yes. Hmm. Anyway, we had that discussion on the last mindless trivels. So let's get back to the movie <laughs> <laughs> in question. Uh, just a little more about the digital characters. I, I think me and Chris talked about this a little bit after the movie, but I think, or maybe me and Aaron, but I think maybe. As older fans, if we, my impression of it is that they actually made him. They put too much color in his face. Uh, the original <laughs> Peter Cushing looked a little paler and like Grayer. Peter Cushing. Yeah. Well, um, well, Princess Leia was very pink on the screen too. Yeah, she was yeah. tougher though because she was in the she was in a very bright scene with very yeah. bright surroundings, white but also robe, very white quick, walls. So I mean, yeah. Uh, the, where and, these things fall apart, the uncanny valley comes. The longer, you know, the longer you see, the him. longer you see yeah. him on screen. But, I thought just seeing it the second time, even kind of a crappy copy, it was, uh, it was the mouth that gave it away more than anything. I still just think that's the one thing. I mean, I've seen video game cutscenes that are actually better than that. To be honest with you, interesting. 
Um, I, I thought it was really good. I mean, I, I've read lots of criticism of it. I guess beyond the initial shock of actually seeing and hearing, you know, yeah, it didn't take me out of, it. of Peter Cushing. I, I, I generally thought it was pretty good. I mean, it didn't, it didn't bother me. It didn't take me out of the film. And I actually yeah. was excited. He was going to have a larger role in the story yeah. than I initially anticipated. Yeah, I mean, they nailed the voice. I, is that the same guy that did it for Rebels or uh, no? No, I thought I thought guy. the voice was was good, but I don't. I think um, Peter Cushing himself would have camped it up more. He would have rolled a few, yeah, rolled a few <laughs> R's and stuff. But I'm gonna be the guy, and, and and I know and I know I got Scott Gardner with me, and. <laughs> We're going to be those guys, and this is going to be the thing that I guess if anybody's going to complain about our opinion about about um, Rogue One is I I loved CG Grand Tar- Grand Moff Tarkin once once it got to that point of like is are they going to do it They did it They do yeah. it They're going to do it And then when I realized after that. And I'm sure I was in. The, I remember being in the theater. Like, they're go- yeah, he's they're gonna really be gonna a go. character. Yeah. He's gonna be a character in this, and he's actually he's not doing anything really radically important to the story. But he's he's getting his digs, and he's positioning himself to get the Death Star, and just being a prick. And yeah, uh, there's a nice and little insight into Empire politics. I'm gonna put up the challenge again. Is and I don't know who this person is. Actually, I saw somebody online who was one of these people who was vaguely aware of, you know, he'd seen Star Wars a while ago. No, um, you know, just vaguely aware of the storyline and the characters and no real thought in his head who Peter Cushing was and just saw the movie and was like it wasn't until after the movie and people were talking about it that I realized it was a CG character, and that's what I said with Scott Gardner. I wonder if someone just walked in and yeah. didn't really generally know that Peter Cushing was dead or, or really remember his character too much from Star Wars would not just go like, oh, okay. I wonder if they would be like, why are they? Why is there a CG character here all of a sudden? Why is that necessary? So. I don't necessarily know like I you know I'd read a couple reviews where people are like there's some horrible CG CGI character moments and you're going to and you'll know what it is when you see it and <laughs> yeah. and and like I when when that scene came on in the theater and we saw it during a snowstorm so everybody in there was nerded out like us. It was a yeah, quarter, was not hardcore. even a quarter filled theater <laughs> yeah. full but it was the hardcores in there. And uh, so, you know, every eye in that theater was like scanning his face piece by piece, looking at every detail, going like, can I see a little, are his eyeballs a little opaque? But still, you can see that. Are there floaters I gave that up pretty quick, though. I'm like you. Yeah, yeah. Once once he was a character, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to set my mind on accept. Yeah, I'm like Grand Scott. I mean, I'm Tarkin. not sure they should have tried it, but I'm damn glad they did at this point. Yeah. Well, was, Grand Moff Tarkin, only yeah. he could be so bold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad they did it. I don't, I don't think it was a home run. I, like I said, I call it a stand-up double. Yeah. And again, the the thing is, in ten years, we're going to look back at that thing and go, man, boy, it started there, but look what they've done with it since then. 
Yeah. And yeah. and for the people, the the ethics haters on it, where were you in episode three? Right. Where right. were you in Clone Wars? It's a cartoon. Bogart on a TV commercial. It, and I'm, and I might be else? stretching this a little bit because he it's might be, be half a whole car- new field of legal stuff. He <laughs> might be half cartoon, but into it right now. But I think. Um, Grand Moff Tarkin in Episode Three was half cartoon too. I think he was a guy with a a little bit of tweaking on his face too. Boy, he had some horrible prosthetics in it. <laughs> yes, he did. He looked like My Mac God. tonight. You know, you know what he looked like? To me? Yeah, Mac tonight, the big moon guy. Yeah, he could he could have been Mac tonight. I was just thinking he was like a leftover mask from Guar. But yeah. It's Rocky Dennison from Mass. Rocky Dennis. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and we'll have a digitally youngified share in the next video. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but nobody was like yeah. a couple of people would mention like yeah Grand Moff Tarkin was funky but yeah it was pretty funny to see Grand Moff Tarkin but he was a character in Clone Wars and so yeah. Yeah. you know basically you know I mean when you're watching a Star Wars movie now you're just watching Roger Rabbit you're watching a melding yeah. of tune and in reality the the ethics of it uh, are something people can argue about but well this is this is basically saying it's gonna happen it's gonna happen yeah well and they credit his estate they credited his estate mm-hmm. and i would assume that's one of the things that that has to be done is somebody there, will own there, there an actress a, likeness there yeah. was approval there was probably payment his longtime secretary assistant who like you know, basically was his personal assistant for, you know, 30 years or whatever, was invited to see the movie and she was delighted and said, oh my God, Peter Cushing would have just been like beside himself with happiness over, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, uh, to me, bottom line is Peter Cushing don't care. (laughs) Right. He had had a good life and wherever Peter Cushing is, if, if there's any Peter Cushing anywhere, it, he's uh, he's yeah he's got other things to do. <laughs> I gotta think he's had a screening by now. Yeah. So so yeah. So uh, unless he's heading here with a Death Star, <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay to see that too. Yeah. I you see the the only the only part of it that like when you get into ethics and concern is in not as much in movies as in like real life. You know, mm. it's it's like. Ten years down the line, it's like I don't know. Can I trust any newscast from from now on? You yeah. know, I you know, fifty years from now, it's like I thought the human lifespan was like in well, ninety years tops. Why is the president one hundred and thirty years old now? And he's yeah. like he's, the day he came into office. You've seen yeah. the video demonstrating the software Adobe is developing, where they can recreate anybody's voice from just a few sample yeah. seconds. I've been threatening Scott Gardner so, with that because I have eight hundred <laughs> hours of samples of it. Right. I could podcast. I mean, you want to put in the, you want to put in the time. I you know you could pretty much do it with a good editor now. But yeah, if they're going to make it easier. Yeah, but if yeah, but if it's to the point of where you type out the text, that's what you do. You type yeah. out the text, and then that's the person says nuts. it, and then I'm uh, sure yeah. you could tweak it afterwards. Which yeah, I thought sure. some of Tarkin's speeches were maybe some kind of audio wizardry like that because uh, some of them were not him, and some of them really, really sounded like him. I think it was a guy. I think it was the guy who did it. Who, yeah. You know, played the played the role, and I and and. 
and I think like he under maybe underplayed the cushingness of it, and they and maybe he ended up pink because in the process of probably doing it, that was probably what looked best. You know, they probably tried starting out exactly replicating him from Star Wars, because obviously that kind of attention was put into this movie. Yeah, but they the, you, the you're never gonna you're never gonna recreate the light that day or the filter there, you know, right, the film and right. But he was in so, sort of the same general lighting as he was usually in the Death Star, and I'll bet you they I'll bet you they exactly created Carrie Fisher and they exactly created Grand Moff Tarkin like skin tone wise as much as they possibly could, yeah. and they were like, it's still not working. There's something yeah. not clicking in my head. And then they were like, it needs a little more pink. And, and once it got to a certain level, they were like, ah, aha, now it looks lifelike, you know? That's yeah. And I don't, I still think it's the mouth that, that, that they can't get. They can do it amazingly if they can actually mocap the person, but I just don't think they can do it quite seamless enough. yet. They have to get better spittle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and- well, there's still a problem with like just the, the weight when you know when the cgi moves a lot of them yeah. are still having a problem putting you know real fleshy weight to it at least yeah, 50 that, guys in was, lucasfilm working on it right now yeah mm-hmm. that was the biggest beef i think i had with tarkin was that just when he moved he seemed like he was swiveling on a stick instead of yeah. uh turning you know like he should have um so yeah i'm with you on that what do you guys uh, as far as tarkin i mean tarkin's kind of the biggest easter egg there is uh what about the other easter eggs in the film What'd you, what'd you see? What'd you love? What'd you react to? What'd you shout? Because there were a few I shouted out loud for. Hammerhead Corvette. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I missed a lot of them from Rebels, which is obscene because I do watch it religiously, but I didn't catch the, you know, General Sindula. I didn't even notice the ghost other than the still photos I'd seen, and I missed Chopper, so I was useless on that one. <laughs> Uh, the blue milk and the like. The first scene was nice, just sitting yep. there right in the middle of the screen. That kind of set the tone for it. Uh, I could have done without what's his name, Doctor Ugly Face and Pondo yeah, something. Yeah, that was the one that I didn't really care for. Well, too. I mean, if this movie goes straight up to Episode Four, are these guys all of a sudden they're going to take off from Jetta and yeah, they straight over to the Tatooine? Right. They had out. to have. <laughs> they yeah. were on their. They had to have been on their way to their ship. Yeah. And, yeah. And I would have had R2-D2 and C-3PO just as a walk-by. Just walk on, just walk by. Well, shouldn't That's they all have left need- with, shouldn't 3PO and R2 have left with the fleet that was going out to Scarif? Because they ended up There's a the story, there's going to be a comic yeah. about that or something, yeah. how that all yeah. times out. It'll but be I, delayed by a year and never mind. <laughs> right. I have to, and ultimately it'll suck. I'm still not. This is the only thing that Disney is killing me with is the, the amount of peripheral stuff that they're coming out with. They expect me to read before these movies, and I'm not like uh, you got sh- to show me most of the story on screen if I'm showing up yeah. money. Well, um, one thing that I actually thought was kind of that Princess Leia was actually in the Tanta Four in the main battleship at the very end. This kind of you saying, oh, C-3PO and R2, they should just walk by, or how they got onto the ship that went to the battle. C-3PO actually says something along the lines of, like, oh, we're going to Scarif, no one ever tells us anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Was it that they were... Just left in a later ship. 
yeah. I guess. Or I guess that part was a little unclear to me is why Leia would actually be in the battle to begin with. Um, unless it was her job to get the plans out of there. The whole. I, I, I took it as they were kind of, yeah, the backup because they were pretty much parked inside that, that capital ship, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Well, were, I, yes. I looked at it this way. They were. I think they were sending her after Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. And since Bail Organa had to go to, um, um, whatchamacallit, blow it up there, Alderaan, um, that she, she having Bail Organa's name, uh, almost similar to getting in with um, Saw Gerrera, that it was like right. she was, she's the closest, like, Touchstone that they could send to to Obi Wan Kenobi and have him go like, oh yeah, I know your dad, yeah, yeah. So I think that's I think that's why, and maybe you know they put him in that particular ship because they knew it was fast. So you know maybe right. we can get this ship out of here and outrun them, which tech you know which it sort of did for you know for for long enough. Yeah, and well, that, that and also just, explains uh, I, to me that. Oh, go ahead, John. Sorry, I just was going to say I received in the mail yesterday um, the novelization, so I cracked that open today, and maybe it'll be a little more clear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the purpose there in the novelization. We'll see. Well, the other nerd pick I've seen is like, well, how did you know? Why did you know, Leah even lie about being a diplomatic mission if Vader saw her run away from you know the battle? But I don't think she realizes that she was seen running away from the battle because they kind of no, snuck out of right. burning ship. You know? I, I think, and I, I also think she was saying something like that because if it ended up going at that point, she doesn't know that the Senate isn't even right. So when she says we're on a diplomatic mission, she's expecting this to come in front of the Senate. And you know when they when they go over the tapes of it, they'll be like, "Well, look, she's she was saying she was on a diplomatic mission from the very beginning." You know, so it was just sort of a yeah. It, and and he was just like, "Yeah, let's stop pretending." You know, right now, you know, right. you weren't on any mercy mission. The special right. special edition will be him saying, "I saw you flying away from the battle." I, yeah, I sure hope. It's right not. on your doorstep, you silly girl. That's yeah. the job. Of, that's the job of these connective movies to 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 tie all that stuff up with all the stuff that already exists. Well, another one that I geeked out on was uh, Red Leader and Gold Leader being yes. spliced into the. <laughs> I yelled out I loud really when they cool. were there. Yeah. Yelled out loud when I saw those guys, and uh, and and also yelled out loud when Red Five got into the action. Red 5 started going off on his own. They kept warning him not to, and then all of a sudden yeah. he blows up. And I turn to the wife, and I go, "That's there's an opening yeah. for Red 5 now. Yeah. Job Red shirt job 5. <laughs> I also thought it was cool that it was Blue Squadron that didn't make it out. Because to me, when you think Blue Squadron, you think of the original novelization of yep. Star Wars. And well, that's what, you know, that was... The original you know, script. Yeah, so that was so that was one of the squadrons. You know, obviously yep. they they didn't make it. They're not going to retrofit them into a new hope. But I thought that was just a cool reference. That oh well, you know we were familiar with Blue Squadron from other material. Yeah. Let's put them in the story anyways. So and, and, was- and they didn't use Blue Squadron in the film because of the blue screen. 
Yeah. I mean, that's why they didn't originally use it in the original film. The original script, it was Blue Squadron. That's why it made it to the novelization. But yeah, they like, couldn't. Oh, crap. They, yeah, they couldn't use the blue against the blue screen without losing all those elements. So, oh wow, that's why they changed it to Red Squadron. It'd be the rapidly what? moving Starfield Squadron. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, what do you what do you think about this not lining up? Is there's a lot of new ships in this mm-hmm. and uh, and th- that we don't see you can sort of maybe um, explain it off until you get to the end of Return of the Jedi yeah when it's sort of an end run and why do you see any uh, you U wings I can understand because they're not la- they're not landing troops on right Endor. Yeah. they're, they're, they're stealth squatting right. in yeah but there's all but you know, there's all there's the new Tie Fighters and, mm-hmm. and stuff well, like the Tie that. Fighters. I wrote off this way. To me, they didn't make a big point of saying or of like they. I don't know. To me, they didn't make a big point of the Tie Strikers. So then, to me, it was just like, oh well, these are just a one-off squadron at this special base or something like that. Yeah, they have five uh, of these. Or they're no. kind of like the snow speeders, and they're like mostly atmospheric ships, possibly. Or yeah, because I think um, we saw them mostly battling on the planet. No, I you know the the one thing that, about the space battle that it kind of stuck with me a little bit was it was cool when the Hammerhead Corvette came in to ram the ship. I guess I did. <laughs> this is very nitpicky, but it, that that it, it wouldn't build up enough speed to me at least to like slice the other star destroyer in half. I was great that they were going to yes. crash together. That's great, but it like literally like. Not only is he going to push it, he's going to like cut this other one in half with it. But that's very nitpicky. Hopefully, uh, yeah, maybe but, it has I mean, some sort of magnetic disruptor on the front that just like go. cleaves metal as it as it yeah, into perfect. it. I mean, good, good spaceship crash or best spaceship crash ever, right? Should we say because that was pretty epic. And, I was enjoying myself in the theater. Me and Audi were pretty much just howling at that point. Yeah. Well, and also uh, I thought it was kind cool of that Red Leader language. and Gold Leader, it almost redeemed them a little bit in this because they were effective. You know, they actually, we got to see them actually doing a good job, not just being, Well, that's know, how. They, yeah, that's how they made it to the Death Stars. They're, they're, they're. <laughs> they survived this the one. Yeah. <laughs> I of the most with red leader and gold leader, the thing that got me the most with them was just hearing them talk over the the comm mic. Yeah. So it, <laughs> that that was the one that just like you know I, that people make fun of the nerds where it just pushes your Star Wars button and it's just like an endorphin bus. So when you you know gold leader, this is you know it's. Just and, how many and, guns and you'd way- say? I'd say twenty guns. Oh, it just makes the connection so much stronger. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the, and the delivery it, it was per, it was it was just like oh my god yes that's right it's these guys fighting again you know that's the sort of reference back that works you know it that yeah. seamlessly flows into it where uh, you know if if you are a it's casual like a smell viewer, memory it's just you know it's sound memory it well if, yeah and, right and back if in you're that a spot. casual viewer you don't even notice yeah. it and it but it's still exciting whereas this the scene with dr snaggletooth and and what or walrus man and dr zhivago 
even if if you don't remember those characters from Star Wars, you know that the movie is sort of doing some sort of nod or wink because yeah, yeah. these characters are walking from one point to another and having a standoff with two characters like to that point where with a pointed exchange, it really means nothing and just stops the action. You're like, okay, <laughs> what, what, what was that, you know? And that's mm-hmm. where it really it didn't work. And sort of R2-D2 and 3PO felt like that, almost just sort of that they were standing there in their stock R2-D2 with next to C-3PO, arms out akimbo, yeah. and talking. But that's sort of what they do anyway, so... yeah. Yeah, but I had no it, problem with that one. <laughs> I would have rather had them say, maybe saying the line of dialogue and just and walking. I, I have this thing about they should have been walking by. That's hmm. so I would have. I would have rather seen them in the halls of the uh, just like, at, at runner, the ca- camera moving. They're walking by, and you just hear. I don't know why we're going there, and and off off they go. But now, what do y'all think about the fact that they did all the whole team does in fact meet their demise? And not only that, but all the troops that made it down to the surface to support them and the, you assume, you know, the... Yeah, the, the fighters the, and... The fighters, yeah. all that. I, yeah, you they know, even brought more I, troops down to them. <laughs> when this movie was announced, I think I, my initial reaction was, oh, they're all, they're all going to die. Yeah. yeah. Logically, yeah. So then the as rebels, this movie though. progressed, I thought, well, you know what? I, I They could let some of them through and... You know, we just don't necessarily see them again in the main films, but they don't have they they don't have to. They could have, you know, they're just and, like Jin could have survived and been like, "All right, well, I've done my part. I'm going to go right. be Frenchy here, and or I'm just going to be a fighter. <laughs> I'm still, I'm just going to continue fighting with the rebels. You right? Know? But yeah, no, but, I mean, but they, I, I figured they were all going to die, and then the the doubts I had were when they did reshoots, and I was like, oh, "Okay, are they?" Yeah. And and then and it was at the same time that that um, Suicide Squad was coming out, so a lot of the rumors were like, "Oh, Disney's trying to inject more humor in it because it's really dark," and I and you know just like that, you know, with Suicide Squad, and I was like, "Well, why would they want to do that since it kind of didn't work for it Suicide Squad?" Yeah. But that's you know. So I thought, okay, maybe they're, you know, going to do that. But, you know, on the run-up to it, there was a lot of, like, talk about, like, how, you know, this was a different story. And just by the genre, it's a suicide mission, you know? Yeah, and, it had to end that way. It right, really right. It, 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 it's it's going to lose a lot of heft if it doesn't end Not that way. Not even for continuity purposes. It was just that literally was the genre that they went with. And for yeah, for yeah, the end, end of, of yeah. You know, I mean... It's it's almost uh, yeah it's 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 Saving Private Ryan meets Magnificent Seven and it just it's not going to end well yeah I so, mean that that's the point I wanted to nitpick with Gardner is that you know kind of the whole and you you explained it well I thought that uh, you know that he was a little upset I love that they showed that the rebellion gets their hands dirty because that's the way it would go that's the way it would have to go mm-hmm. you know. Well, we, we didn't win the Revolutionary War by marching yes. in columns with, you know, against the British that was huger than us. The, the uh, Swamp Fox was not exactly uh, a guy who played by the rules. Yeah, right. It's, yeah. And it's well, realistically, I, I, gonna, I know I know Scott's all about, you know, the white hats and the black hats. He says that in your podcast, and, well, I, and I respect that. And, and for someone whose ideal is, like, the original Star Wars, yeah, that's... 
the iconic, you know, good versus evil, I, I get the appeal to that, and I love that too, but I just... As I said, the pacifist loves a little more war in his Star Wars movies. <laughs> well, and Chris, yeah. I think you made an astute. I love of suicide mo- uh, war movies. You know, overrides my pacifism occasionally. Well, and I think Chris made an astute observation in the in y'all's review of it. In that, this is a redeeming moment for a lot of these guys right. who are doing the worst of the worst and saboteurs, right. assassins, whatever they whatever they describe themselves as. So. Yeah, including including Cassie and Andor, who exactly. you know, kills a guy in cold blood, shoots him in the back at the beginning yeah. of the film. It's that was kind of, yeah, it's really kind shocking of like, to me, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sacrifice is kind of like the only kind of the road to redemption. Or yeah. Like I well, said, they're just going to live out lives as alcoholics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. A lot of the times you see a character who does something like that and they're irredeemable. Uh, through the rest of the film, and instead, this guy, by the way, he's going to turn around and immediately be one of your heroes. So yeah. it was a little bit of turning it on its head like that, those mm-hmm. expectations of pure good. And pure yet, evil though, he's still, he's still the company man willing to get yeah. his hands dirty. He's going to yeah. shoot Jin's father, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, you know, and again, it goes back to me, to Saw Gerrera being so, to me, visually identified with these Middle Eastern terrorists, but he's yeah. allied with the rebellion. Well, and Scott, who are, who are technically terrorists. Description saying he, uh, it's hard to miss the connection as well to Darth Vader mm. in oh, terms of his mechanical his body, and, like, yeah. breathing problems, breathing, yeah, messed up yeah. voice. Uh, he's arguably in worse shape than Vader is. Extreme <laughs> tactics, you know, ra- ra- radical to radical to the point of super violence where the ends. Justify the means. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't have the Empire's medical budget over there. No, he, no. He's, he's patching himself. They don't even have real 3D chess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that. Yeah, well, there's yeah, no yeah, Wi-Fi in Saul's that. desert uh, hideout. So yeah, yeah the, the board game uh, 3D chess game though that was uh, interesting. Well, sure let me ask you this: that uh, the actual character of Saul Guerrera. I had to see it again. I didn't really care too, too much for the way, for one, the way the character was performed, I guess, or even much of that story. I think it really just was like serving the point of moving Jin's story along a little bit as yeah. he was her, like, you know, second father for all intents and purposes. But the whole thing with capturing Bodhi, dragging him out to the desert, you know, letting the psychic squid monster you know fondle him all that left me a little cold but what do you guys think about that yeah i think he was i think he was underdeveloped and he was basically a plot element and an easter egg but it was forrest whitaker so he he put a little you know he added a little more heft to the character just by physically portraying you know the backstory of Saw Gerrera, which most people, unless you watch Clone Wars, don't. And I, ha- I haven't I watched that, that season. Far. Yeah, so I have. I really, I haven't seen. I've seen little clips on YouTube of of the character. I think, but he's going to show up in Rebels. So yeah. I think they. I think they were the like. And here's where. Here's where. You know, you're you're running into Saw some s- semi dangerous territory artistically, but it's also sort of new territory that Marvel's ha- handling deftly. Whereas, like, is this completely a movie? Because it's tying into a t- you know, is it a movie? But you, you you can greatly enhance it or find out about characters by reading reading something or watching a TV show. 
you know, it's it's cross promotion, obviously. Also, but, but, but that's there's, why I said there's, this there's one parts to baked into the... all the other parts that are like, yeah. if you read this yes. book, you got to see the movie to complete it. But and stuff like that, but it works. And like that's our, why I and said, that's I also, this is the first of the new way of doing them compared to Force yeah. Awakens. But that's the way storytelling has become in this day and age. Storytelling is multi-platform. Yes, you yeah. can't get away from it. It's a website. You know, I mean, hell, there was an app. Can't keep up with it. That's I mean, I'm my... sitting. Yeah, well, no, it, it it can be tough at times, uh, and they need to make things as as. Uh, self-contained as possible i mean i had three months ago an app for the sombra group on my ipad you know before uh westworld even came on oh, yeah yeah <laughs> uh you know th- there was already this the, the website and the app and you know you scan certain things and it would tell you an element of the story and uh you know that is the way storytelling has gone you do, you can't anymore with a lot of properties, just pick up a book and read it, or just go to a movie and see it. You it's can. a little more optional when you're talking about a TV series that's going to mm-hmm. unfold stuff for you over ten episodes. Though I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's a little less prep work. That well, they don't have to do there. I think they don't force you into it like like comics sometimes used to do. Right. They would yeah, be just like, "Oh, you want to find that's, out that's, how this ends? You got to buy Wonder Woman." Ha <laughs> You know, it could potentially go that way, and that's mm-hmm. just my biggest fear. I don't. I, I think you're going to see it. I think you're, you know you've got uh, in very short order. You've got the Dark Tower coming up. Yeah, that's going to be and the Dark Tower is going to be movies and TV shows and all this stuff and. Uh, you be, and you better believe it'll stretch across as many different forms of media as they can make it stretch. And it, it, it's strange to me that, like, increasingly people talk about and you sort of know the, the, the decreased attention span of people. Yet it seems with TV and now TV is actually, I think, is movies are absorbing that actually, actually from TV probably as a means of survival. But the the long form story and yeah. very complex stories with very deeply drawn characters and plots that 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 go for seasons and seasons and seasons and people in short attention span world will be watching multiple. You know, they'll be watching they can be watching Breaking Bad and following Star Wars and Game of Thrones which are all very involved, you know, if as involved as you want to get with them and also have other, you know, books that you can read and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, artistically and storytelling wise, I can't seem to find any problem with it beyond, you know, get off my lawn maybe or, or something like that, you know? Well, there is just a, I mean, there, there does come to be a point where you just go, I'm sick of buying all these different things to get the whole story. Yeah. And I think they're doing, I mean, it's, I, I don't suspect that I would rather have read the stuff leading up to Force Awakens because that's a big chunk of time that we don't know what happened, you know? Right. Well, well hey, they really, any, yeah. Anything. The, this, no, I feel like it's more optional Force because Awakens. I know where it starts. And, no. you know, yeah, I'd like to get to know. I'd love to know more about the dynamic between uh, Galen and Kremit. And, and, that and, does look like an interesting story. And Catalyst know? is a good book. I mean, Catalyst mm-hmm. is, is, is solid top to bottom. And it I really does tie in well. I'd be more likely to read that. Because to me, it's yeah. a nice seasoning on 
on my Star Wars, you know. I wanted trilogy. Yeah, I wanted to see uh, what happened leading up to Force Awakens as well, and and I was sorely disappointed that they really didn't tell you anything. Yeah. Nothing. So. I went back and cheated and read wikis and stuff on it. <laughs> but, you know, it's a cheap way to go about it these days. That's the one advantage of, and, of the internet. And 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 another thing is we're and we're seeing things probably in Rebels. Well, almost. 100% I think in Rebels and in this in Rogue Rogue One we don't even know you know that it, 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 we've seen stuff in Rogue One that's probably going to turn up in Rebels or Episode 8 you know or Episode 9 uh, I mean Darth Vader's so. castle's coming back pr- probably in 8 or 9 you know yeah I gotta think <laughs> I <Yeah. laughs> I would be extremely surprised if not you know well I mean and not only that like with Rebels I, I kind of I don't know when I thought it was going to end I guess I anticipated it ending before New Hope but now knowing that Chopper and at least Hera uh, if not the rest of the crew it could have um, been Hera's father though in the, in the battle yeah. it could have been Hera's father I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not Jim. them yeah, I think yeah, it, I'm pretty sure it's been confirmed it was her. It was her. It's supposed to be. I, I was joking with Chris on the way to the movie, and like you know, because we talked about it because they leaked that uh, the picture of the ghost um, in the main battle scene there, and I'm like, well, this would be a, <laughs> a good way to end the Rebels series, I guess. You just see one shot of the ghost being destroyed. Well, they've or- they've already talked. Dave Filoni has already yeah. talked about how he yeah, would he be might- very happy to uh, oh, have God, their story please, into that. Please. That could be three. Yeah, but that would probably be like what three or four seasons. Well, it depends on how they they pass the time. Yeah, but yeah. And they, I'm closer. I mean, I mean, why not? Why not do that? That's uh, the, the they have that option now. And I think are talking this, about finding Obi Wan on Tatooine. So I, and I think I, I think, and like I said on with with Gardner, I don't think we've seen the last of George Lucas. And I think this movie might be the one that they say, you know, that was the point when George Lucas went and. So it sounds like he re- this movie was up his alley. He really liked it. It sounded like he sort of grabbed the filmmakers and said, "Hey, you want to you want to come on onto the ranch and look at some look at some props uh, and, do we and want stuff, that, that- guys." Do we? I don't. I'm conflicted. Would you want I, him to make another one? Yes. <laughs> I, well, I don't. Yes. I, I don't care. I, I'd, like I'd love to see him involved. Are I, you kidding I, me? Yeah, I, I even say no and still call myself a Star Wars fan. I, I, I think. Lot of, I think of them if, do. I think. Uh, I think if um, if he ended, I, I think like ideally, I'd love to see they bring him in and 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 I could see him doing this because he does not like directing and say, ah, I'll be the executive. He he could be. It would be so easy for him to be an executive producer, and he could do the stuff that he did in episodes one and three. The stuff that he probably liked, which is coming down to the model shop, mm. and and hanging out yeah. with those guys and looking at all the stuff and looking at the creature designs, and bring him in and coming up and going. Maybe we could have this happen in the story, and and uh, and and the, and there would actually be. He he wouldn't be the owner of it anymore, so there wouldn't be the like everybody has to be like okay, do exactly what George said. There'd be a, a counterbalance of of Disney to sort yeah. of to sort of be like okay, let's 
punch up this dialogue so it sounds like a human said it. And I think it could be potentially great. And I imagine by the time, like, if George Lucas was like, I wouldn't mind working on another Star Wars movie, that he would be in a space in his life different than episode one through three. Yeah, I, you know, and by episode three, I think he was kind of catching his groove, actually, to tell the truth. You know, by actually about midway through episode two, I think as a as far as like the the craft of of the the craft of the filmmaking. So, yeah, I would absolutely, and I think it would be also like. Yeah, I think I think Disney would oh love it too. I, I think just feel like great. if I was George Lucas, that would be an impossible pill for me to swallow. It's his baby, and just to know that you don't he would have to be a ruling. A, well, yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> have to be. I I think it sounds like he's pretty close to being in a place where he's all right with that. Where he's yeah, like, yeah. it's not my baby, but no. you know what? It's, it's always going to keep gonna me be, away from the oh, theater. Then. It's always going to be your baby. That's the thing. Yeah. The baby's always your baby. Yeah. And, and his his baby went off and got married to a mouse. I think he'd have to do one of the peripheral ones that that comes before the trilogy or something, though. Oh no, no, yeah, I could. Say, I I would bet you it would be. It sound like he was a fan of the way that Force Awakens went, from what I read. Well, that was also that was also a little while ago, you know. Well, it was also because he put together a story idea for it, which they totally shelved. Which they yeah, just said so, no thanks. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, they and they and one of the things that happened there, the Vanity Fair article about the purchase is, you know, he went to them and said, "Hey, I've got outlines for three new movies, and we're about to go into production with them. You guys want to buy this thing?" And they said, "Yeah." And then he tried to pull the outlines off the table. And Iger said, "No, no, 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 no. The outlines come with the pr- the purchase oh, of the hmm. print of the franchise, and then they buy the franchise, and then they throw the outlines out." Anyway. <laughs> well, Scott, that goes to you had mentioned earlier, and I didn't get to say this earlier, but you're like, "Oh man, I really hope we get the full like Rogue One initial cut or backstory or whatever." I also think that is probably unlikely, if only because. For The Force Awakens, instead of giving for the first, you know, Star Wars movie with the original cast and all that and so long, giving us just this great, you know, Lord of the Rings style making of featurette, we had a totally sanitized, you know, non, non-history non of how that film came to be made yeah. from the purchase of Disney up until, you know, the premiere. It had been so great. To hell with all that! They butchered the cast read. Oh I mean, yeah, you know I think yeah. the one thing every fan of the world wanted was to see that full cast read. Oh, right. Yeah. And they yeah. showed three minutes of it. I was going to say five minutes of it. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. whole piece, I think, was five minutes, and two of it was interviews. So, so right. No more dialogue than Luke got in the movie either. Yeah. Because <laughs> he did like the narration through the whole thing. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much all he did. Yeah. yeah. So. To me, you know, it would be, I agree, it would be awesome to see, like, oh, this is how we initially shot it, or this is why we went through the reshoots, but to me, maybe this is the Disney side of it, but I think they uh, they have a, for the a sanitizing. Special edition right before Episode 8 comes out. I'm banking yeah, we'll it. see. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. But it's, it's, it's not the kind of franchise anymore where you got to figure out how you got to remarket and remarket a set of movies. It's constant. They're constantly flowing out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at at some point, you know, why would you want to keep guilt? How would you keep gilding all these lilies when you're, 
have to make your the next one. You know, yeah. it's yeah. Unless that, unless at some point they're like, all right, we're going to add the special edition addendum to to uh, Lucasfilm. But then again, generally the the whole special edition thing. I think registers on the do not want scale of almost all Star Wars fans, even more so than like the prequels. Mm. So I don't know if they'd be, I, I, I don't know. They might be kind of leery of doing stuff like that. Although I yeah. could see that like something like tweak it once they get a better model of Tarkin, you know, in further releases, yeah, maybe just sure. tweaking him up just a little bit. And it's not really even notice, you know, stuff that's not noticeable or, or immediate. I like the tech. I mean, the special editions were great at the time for the technical upgrades they had. Yeah. Now, the extra shit he put it, the making everything a CGI soup did not work out. Well right. Before. I think, I think the like shining model of doing that was the way they did the remastered Star Trek's. Where they just yeah, the ta- yeah. tasteful, uh, a realistic planet, tasteful version of the Enterprise, but they didn't, you know, jazz it up to full modern CGI, right? And just enhance the sets, gave them some a little background, but sometimes the background still looked like a a, a set painting, you know, matted up there. So, and then the minor upgrades age better too. I mean, you, you yeah, know, spaceship battles so. that. Lucas fixed up on the special editions are much better than like all the critters he put in the Tatooine. Yes, yeah, yeah. That 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 was stuff was all just like so. It was almost like noise to tantalize the people in the yeah. theater when they went to see it. And he probably figured, ah, I'll just if it doesn't work, I'll just change it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's. <laughs> That's kind of like a creative rut, and maybe all this with Disney is well. That was before the 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 prequels too. That he that he had a creative rut, the prequels, and then the you know fa- fan static afterwards. And you know, give him some time. He's got he's got a younger wife, you know, and that relax on the ranch for a couple years and start getting mellow, you know, and. You know, I mean, I don't know. I maybe I'm perverse, but if I was George Lucas, well, we know you're perverse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if, if I were George Lucas, I don't know. I think like one of my great thrills in life would be to go see a new Star Wars movie that I had no idea what had happened. You know, that's sort of almost a step. It's not sort of almost. That's a step in in. You know, it's it's your kid leaving home. You know, in yeah. some ways, my when I was in a band, my and you know it, that had like eight people in it and people rotating in and out. You know, I was always like, someday I wouldn't mind like going out and seeing my band, and I don't know any of the people. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, it's just rotated into, uh, but they're doing the same songs that I, you know, so. I, I I would not count George Lucas out, and I would be very, very, very happy to see him back. Uh, it's nothing I'm going to lose sleep over. I'm looking forward to seeing what Ryan Johnson does with it a lot. Yes, yes no doubt. Because I think episode eight's going to be... I, J.J. did what he had to do, and I have my main, you know, 
problems with that. JJ did some weird emotional concoction. Yeah, which is what they that, wanted that, him to do. That yeah. like it was almost like some sort of CIA psyop or something. It was <laughs> yeah. well, it, worked it, it was messy, but it had to be it, it had to be done in order to get to get the yeah, Star Wars yeah. fans over the hump. That's my yeah. hope. And 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 I say that as if I'm more critical of the movie, but that emo- the, the, it, it it was like the emotional aspects of Star Wars to me without yeah, and the, fine, and the, fi- the physical was... aspects like even like his spit the, the final battle with X-Wings at the end of Force Awakens was is not visually exciting to me. It's neat looking. Yeah. It's well yeah. done. And I'm like, that looks neat, but it doesn't pull me in like um, I, Rogue yeah. One did. No, which, I, I thought the the action in this was just. And it was this, just like this, a great little. The, the whole movie was kind of a great little mix of of the original trilogy. Just a lot of little stuff. It gave me what the Force Awakens didn't give there. me. You know, it filled yeah. in, it filled in and and like and and like Scott said earlier, um, innovation, and that's a huge component to me. And this and this one did it. This one, I thought it was going to innovate by taking the story in a different way and presenting it in a, 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 a different visual style, which to me was sort of a, a, like innovation within what they're doing. But it's not an innovation in film because right. even other franchises have done stuff like that. So, I, you know, I was very happy that that I got that, and and it made me go okay. They realize that that's an element. People have been paying attention. There have been and and there have been all those viral videos of people going like, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was talking about Star Wars, and he's like, it's important to remember with this new Star Wars. Star Wars takes place on the frontier, on the fringes, mm-hmm. amongst the lowly, and blah blah blah. And it seems like a lot of that was listened to. In yeah, and that's what I really liked about this movie is a lot of the street level and just, I mean, it wasn't real big world building, but it was just a lot of flavor and just a lot of different people, you know, cooking tentacles in a pot and, you know, just great set dressing. There were tentacles uh, in a pot, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tentacles all over this movie. Um, yeah, I thought Brain Slug was a perfectly apt Star Wars critter. I thought that went really well. It was okay. It was okay. It, it kept bringing me into like brain slugs from uh, <laughs> Wrath of Khan. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that's why I, I sort of. It's like, oh, you know, this guy's gotten to the point of where he's okay with mind rape. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, it didn't really that, drive. I thought that was important to show that side of the rebellion. Yeah, Maybe but but they did. But it was. They wimped out, I think, on the and was was the character of the re, the rebel pilot in the in the book leading up to this at all? Did they cover any of how he was? How was it? Orso, Orso contacted the him. Pilot, you mean? Yeah, oh. the imperial pilot. Yeah, the guy with no name. Bodhi, who got, who got oh, Bodhi. brain slugged. Yeah, was he? Was he in the book at all? No, but you know it's funny. There is a pilot character in the book that uh, he's probably he's the only what I would say main character from the book that doesn't make it to the film. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, See, I would say the main character is uh, the three yeah. the three Ersos, Orson Krennic, 
Saw Gerrera, Moff Tarkin, and then the pilot character in Catalyst. Yeah. So, so we don't know, like, we meet him before he gets brain slugged, and he's, you know, nervous and, and squirrely, but you would be too going to meet Saw Gerrera. Yeah. But, the, you know, it sounds like the brain slug is going to suck your brain out and you're done. And uh, he just seemed to, you know, after a while, it was just sort of like he was a character. It, it, it didn't seem like the damage of it. It was almost like a hangover. You know, he just yeah. sort of took it off and, all right, I'm I'm fine. It would have been more interesting if he was a damaged, you know, more damaged character. It was it? Yeah. It seems straight. It seemed almost like a lot of the cleared st- up very quickly. Yeah, yeah a lot of the stuff that catatonia. happened in Saw Gerrera, <laughs> that Saw Gerrera section almost didn't count. You know, it just sort of happened. And his Saw gave him a little puff on his his backpack hookah pipe and on his restaurant you know. is Morton Joe. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So let's talk about Darth, uh, guy in the black mask. Oh, uh, him! We haven't even yeah. mentioned oh, him. He's in the movie for yeah. a little bit. Uh, the, I don't know. One thing I know, me and Chris talked about after the movie is the first scene with him after he got out of the bubbly tank um, was, was that he looked chop- a little bloated. He just he looked kind of like, and we weren't sure if it was because we're getting used to like the rebels Darth that's a little slimmer and sleeker. Yeah. But he I, just felt like he, he was a little bigger, wider. I thought he was than I thick. Remember. I thought he was thick, but I appreciated that because a lot of his more recent appearances, as you say, he hasn't been, including, you know, yeah. episode three. And unfortunately, the episode three photo shoots for the character are the ones that they've really carried forward with for the last ten years, and he's just way skinny. Um, so I, I appreciated his his. He was thickness. stylized in Rebels too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he sure was. Um, I didn't appreciate well, his swagger. Yeah, he's very Macquarieized. Uh, I didn't appreciate his swagger. His weird walk that was not a Vader walk when he walked in. Yeah, the scene. It's two different actors. It's two new actors, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. I like the uh, the the Schwarzenegger pun when he was choking Krennic. But... It was a double pun. <laughs> yeah. it, no, not even a single pun. He put. He got. He got. Choke and aspirations. Aspiration. Yeah, yeah. In there. So. And then and then walked out dropping the mic. He did. Yeah. yeah. And, it and, was very twenty first century Vader. Uh yeah, it didn't you know, didn't ruin the movie for me. Uh, I didn't think that was my too ass bad. off when he, I heard it. He, made, he had witty kind of lines like that in the yeah. especially in Empire, I'd say. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Yeah. Well you see I th- I, I, Apology accepted, Captain. Yeah, well, that's the one. And uh, uh, we'd be happy if you join us or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So Vader does humor. You're right. Uh, now I, another criticism I've read is that he he moved too fast in in the hallway scene when he's chopping. No. But no, that was just perfect. Just he's, right. He's, he's fresh out of the back to tank. Yeah, yeah. And again, me and Honeywell were just like howling in the theater at that point. Oh, jumping and the, the second <laughs> screening. I see. My second screening was with a bunch of eighth graders, three hundred eighth yeah. graders, and they were kind of non-committal throughout the movie. You could hear them fidgeting and kind of chatting and talking, but when that scene happened, they went berserk, boy and girl alike. Yeah, and I know boy and girl alike because they were segregated by gender, and. Uh, <laughs> They both sides of the of the theater went crazy. Nice. I, what was I? <laughs> I and the Reader's Digest version of when I was talking with Gardner is I, I think that scene 
was sort of thrown in there and it worked and it worked to me of just like okay Vader's just doing his thing and it was kind of goofy and but it was prefaced with basically I think of it as Anakin in the back that as soon as I see and and mainly I'm watching a lot of Clone Wars and Rebels now and sort of steeped in that and as soon as I saw that it sort of connected the Anakin of the prequels to Darth Vader like yeah. in 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 a more visceral way than episode three did to where it's like here he is he's been living in in this skin for a while yeah. and now yeah. you have him Chiefs. and now he's just got to go deal it's with stores. Krennic and dealing with <laughs> Krennic to him is just like whatever you know yeah. he's and at that point I'm thinking of Vader as as a bit of Anakin in the suit and and then he just goes and deals with Krennic eh, makes a joke because it's not even worth getting serious with this guy but it is worth getting serious for those plans yeah. and uh, um and when he does get serious, that's Darth Vader in action. But there's also yeah. some Anakin from Clone Wars in there. But it's Anakin truly unleashed, even more yeah. so than in the scene in Episode Two where he kills the, the Sand People. Yeah. And uh, um, I'm I'm sorry that they, they want to be called Tusken Raiders. Yes. When he kills the Tusken Raiders. <laughs> and uh, correct. And. Uh, Galactically correct, and and that that little that little trill yeah that little trilogy of scenes, it, it like just really did it. It's almost like a sidebar to Rogue One that had the story. Here's the story. Oh, but also Darth Vader's back, and he's scary as hell. And and we brought Darth Vader back from a little kid and Annie and, and Anakin in a in a in a PG thirteen cartoon to you better duke your drawers you better you yeah. better you better clench up because you're gonna die now yeah. and they sort of did that with Rebels too Re- yeah that, he was great that in episode Rebels. of Rebels was yeah. where he first the first scene one where he ra- just ra- had a had a tangle with them was it was like oh my god this guy's terrifying this is yeah awesome. that's the uh, first episode of season two mm-hmm. and the doom troopers really sold it too man mm-hmm. that was that was terror they'd heard rumors about this guy and they're, they're finally facing him <laughs> and also to uh, one one question one of scott's nitpicks was that you know vader said you know there were transmissions to this ship but when I rewatch the scene, they actually do transmit it to the ship. Yeah, yeah they're picking it up, right? They're picking so it, it up on the tra- console. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. So it was technically. Oh, whoa, trans- what? What? Wait. What? What? No. Yeah, the, no. The, it even has a little percentage thing. On yeah, that. on the other ship, but not on their ship. Oh shit! Oh, <laughs> cut down again. Because they received right. the transmission, they transmit it to the little card, and then right. they hand the card off. Into the well, other ship, yeah. But they were locked into the other ship. Yes, and, they were. You know, but transmissions were beamed to another ship that was trans that was hooked <laughs> onto this ship by rebel spies. Darth could have just thought it was that ship since they were the ones running away from the battle. Yeah, yeah. Anakin was never mm. one for details anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just needs those plans. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, that's the biggest plot hole this movie has. I think we're, we did okay with it. If, um, yeah, I mean, if this is the direction we're going, I'm... I'm already excited for episode eight anyway, so yeah, and yeah. now now I'm feeling a little better about um i i'm not i w- I'm not of the opinion of like do I need Han Solo or do I want Han Solo sure I'll, I'll take a young Han Solo movie I just yeah, I won't it, say it, no. it's it's gonna be harder to make that one one good they're gonna yeah. really have to they're yeah. gonna have to do some writing that one's gotta have some they're- writing to it. Hard they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to either really remind you of Harrison Ford or make you forget about Harrison or Ford. Forget yeah, about Harrison yeah, Ford. And, yeah, precisely. but it's possible because I mean, my, my favorite movie of 2016 is still from 2015, and that's Mad Max Fury Road. Mm. And I'm perfectly happy with Tom Hardy. Ne- yeah. ne- don't look back. I don't look back to Mel Gibson, but I don't like exclude. But it, it, it worked, you know. Hey, Ryan Johnson should have done should have done the Han Solo movie because he did a pretty good job of making uh, making a young Bruce Willis. It's got to be it's got to be well written. It's got to be witty and fun and and twisty and turny. And Han Solo's got to be a riot to watch. Yep. So and and Lando's let, let, you know, I think there's a lot more potential. For Lando Calrissian and, and oh my God, the potential for the the, the Lando Calrissians and appearances in Rebels were great. Yeah. He was yeah. g- great. He wasn't just like, hey, hi, it's me, a guest star. It was like, all right, he's the character. You know, it was mm-hmm. it, it, it it was it was really well done. So cool. If uh, yeah, so uh, you know, maybe they're they're they're, they're okay. We got. Force Awakens got the got the emotional stuff you got to get over with. This one has the innovation, and maybe the next one will be the 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 written one. You know the yeah. the, the, the story the story with character based. Yeah, I think they're already indicating that it'll definitely go that. You know, calling it an empire esque. Which is what you do about every second movie uh, and anybody's ever made since. And, well, I think it'll have about five to ten percent Guardians of the Galaxy injected into it too. <laughs> well, you're you're talking about the Han Solo movie, then. The Han Solo movie, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah. I think I've seen people say that maybe he's going to have like a Western feel to it, which lends itself to how you know Marvel's been doing a lot of genre movies and kind of their non like the right. kind of second tier movies so far um so i could see i would love man i would love a han solo trilogy-esque like treasure hunt movie like him and lando racing for a treasure or something like that um just i don't know a metagasm yeah it could be uh I, that one i probably have very and i don't want to say low expectations i just don't really have much expectation of it at all I'm hopeful it's good. I would definitely, I'll be there opening night, I'm sure. Um, it's hard for me to really know what to expect of it at this moment, I'd say. How about Isn't this? Is a hand solo in the Crystal Skull book or something like that? <laughs> I have a proposal for five to ten years down the line. Okay. What's that? Crossover. Yeah. It's a crossover. Five to oh. ten years down the line, they'll have a CG Harrison Ford. We won't have to worry about <laughs> yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe this will work for me. <laughs> okay, five years down the line, crossover with with Marvel. It, it's an internal yes, Marvel Star Wars, <laughs> and it's 
and it's some amalgam of you know get Valance the robot hunter in there Jackson of course um, <laughs> now you're speaking my language Shira Bry you know and do do just like do a side pocket universe Marvel Star Wars do you know how long you, me, and Gardner would be camped out in the in the <laughs> lobby for that one? Yes. Oh my god! Yes. We might not even make it that far. The announcement of that one might just like uh, I'm Marvel I, and Disney and Star Wars. I know you all listen to this podcast. <laughs> just, just jot this one down in the in the notebook with the rest of them. If you start working, if you start, uh, well, you know, they already worked the wheel into the Freemaker Adventures, which is the sole reason I've decided to watch that show. Scott Gardner and I were hoping that the wheel shows up, at, that that Han and Lando end up playing Savick. I would love, the well, I mean, you know, the, the, the Freemaker Adventures is like quasi-canon, so the wheel is almost canon. And it just needs a little nudge to be real, honest, and it's canon, so, and it's yeah. one of those things that there's no reason for it not to be canon. It can't oh. screw anything up. It's just a space casino. So, oh, you guys are talking about my Star Wars pay grade. I'm going to grab a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I think, it's, I, I think, I think Crimson we, Scott and I also. I think I also threw Crimson Jack out there also just to yeah. make Gardner groan. I mean, I mean, put some pants on him, but yeah. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's right. He had his, like, Jolly Green Giant shorts. Yeah. Yeah, put some pants on the man. But, yes, bring him in. Definitely. Definitely. But, you know, I mean, we're laughing about it, but these days it's it's not impossible. Why not? Why not? Yeah. And with, I mean... Marvel Star Wars has a resonance for us too, but there's also you know the comics are out now, and I I don't really pay attention to like are they doing well? Are the Star Wars comics yeah. doing well like they did before? Yes. So that's good. Yeah, they're selling well. They're t- they're the the main title and Vader were both regular top tens, and uh, even Poe's book was like top thirty, top forty. So yeah, they're I'm, not doing I'm badly. My dark horse collecting phase of the Marvel Star Wars, where I was bought, where I bought all of them as soon as they came out, mm. and now I'm going on how much I can afford, and I'll and I go in with a piece of paper with what I, what I'm up to on each issue, but I'm still like if so, uh, you know uh, when Force Awakens adaptation started coming out, I'm like okay, I'm getting number one, so I'm I'm committing to this, and I'm still gonna commit to I think pretty much all of them that come out. It's just gonna take me longer to mm. to acquire them, and I have to start. I stopped reading them a while ago because I think I'm gonna binge binge read through the through the Star well, Wars and the Vader. That would be my biggest complaint is that they're. Well, two complaints. Obviously, one early on there was too much too soon. They've kind of backed off of that a little. Yeah. Thank goodness. Um, but the other thing is that the stories are just so slight. Yeah. You know, you know they they pack an Archie Goodwin or David Michelinie single issue is uh, thrown into six issues. Is a uh, trade. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Kind of, okay. Well, that's. That's a common trope. If you read, I mean, I'm sure you that's, guys know this. That's a very common situation in today's comics. Yeah, yeah. and oddly enough, like uh, of uh, like the 
Star Wars and The Walking Dead, The Walking Dead actually like we're putting we we've switched over into a you know larger or smaller panel format so there's more you know they they're packing in more story now mm-hmm. it's it's very unusual i don't like that whole element of modern comics but it's pretty much that's the way it is now yeah, so style yeah yeah and that's you know i mean the the the, the market and the business changes so that's the way it is so I just alter my reading habits. So it's like, okay, I'll still read comics for an hour. I'll just read five well, times as many comics reading as habits before. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever reading. Well, I still have, I, I, I have, my comic reading habits are different than my book reading habits. Kind but I, ha- I, I have I'm a schedule. Reading Hellblazer for the first time. I don't have time for Star Wars comics. It's <laughs> a lot of Hellblazers. Oh no! Well, if, you, if you have, you know, if you want to save money, and Chris, this is—I mean, pay attention. If you want to save money, sixty-nine bucks a year, get your Marvel Unlimited, and all that Star Wars stuff shows up six months later. Mm. But yeah, but that's the thing is uh, the 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 day I start consuming um, digital comics is is when I finally break down and get myself a tablet. Yeah, because looking at looking at them on my laptop screen, it's just it's not enjoy. It's 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 gets the job done That's, when I need to, but it's not enjoyable f- f- as. But having a tablet in front of me and flipping through the pages works for me. The reason I finally decided to get a tablet was because I had tried Marvel Unlimited on my laptop, and you know what a bitch it is trying to use the laptop in the tub. Yeah, it's uh, not it. safe either. No, well, yeah, <laughs> but that. Right, about the movie in question, are we missing anything? Anybody? Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sure we probably are. The morbid aspect of that—that that that would be how Scott Rifen goes out reading Marvel comics in the tub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It would be apt, but it would be horrific. Yeah. It would it would a be a Twilight point. Zone ending, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's there's plenty we were missing in this. I mean, I I <clears throat> yeah, I think there's something about the Rebel Alliance and their debate in this that you know maybe we'll see more of this in Rebels itself because there they are there are like disparate groups in Rebels. I mean, they're they're not a completely unified group. Right. So maybe maybe we'll see, you know, some of that coming together, um, and also the Senate. I think the Senate's still being around at the time of Rogue One. You know, there's obviously some there. There's a broad spectrum of people there that some of them on the very, you know, much more. I don't know. I don't want to say scared or cowardly, but they they want to talk. They think they can if they can get Galen or they can whatever. They can uh, they can actually bring it to the Senate and have a debate and maybe shed some light on this. And then there's people like Saw and people like him on the front lines and Cassian that know, you know, we've moved past the point of debate at this point. But yeah. they're not all on the same page yet, but it seems like the Rogue One mission was kind of the, you know, for lack of a better yeah, word, war. catalyst that kind of launched them into the more unified struggle against the Empire. Yeah. And that's the exact stated point of the Death Star in in A New Hope, basically. It's like, this will keep the local governors in line. Yeah. You know, this will crush all opposition just 
by its existence. Yeah. Even though we're going to go test it out on Alderaan anyway. Um, so. Well, by that time, you could tell the Imperials get a little get the little tingle up their spine when they when they blow something up with the Death Star. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, they had the line where he's where um he's where Krennic was like, "It's beautiful," yeah. you know, and, yeah. and Tarkin's yeah. like, "Yeah, wait till I get my hands on it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like one percent of the reactor. Yeah, yeah I've, that's the other nerd nitpick I've seen is like, "Oh, it was supposed to be the first test on Alderaan." Like, no, that was the first real test. And and yeah. and, and then Tarkin was like, "Yeah, he thinks that's cool. I'm gonna." Blast the planet to pieces, all the while rubbing a nineteen-year-old girl's shoulder. <laughs> uh, wait, that was. Was that the porn? No, I, I think though, like I, overall, I, think it was I don't. I, that was grabbing her shoulder, actually. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I don't think I have too much more to add tonight, though. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a really good discussion. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming, Jonathan. Um, yeah, let's wrap it. I guess, guys. Uh, just go around and give you know final four or five whatever you want to do. I'm just gonna be like I was blown away the first time I saw it, and I'm sure I'll see it several times and find a couple more nitpicks. But it felt like it, it felt like it fit better than I expected it would. I didn't expect them actually to go literally right up to <laughs> right up to the door of, of the Tana Four. Hmm. Um, it, it felt like, man, I would not mind seeing if anyone's ever going to do, you know, the special edition shenanigans again on anything. Just make this part of episode four, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> rewrite the crawl slightly, put it at the beginning of this one, and and we'll have ourselves a three and a half hour, you know, four hour episode four. I'm okay with that. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it just is a nice little nice little slice of tasty steak in our Star Wars universe and it added flavor to the whole thing in my opinion you know going forward and backwards I I guess yeah I I could do mine in like a minute I was uh, it it exceeded my expectations I had a hoot through the whole thing my my, you know um, I'm it's it's whetted my appetite for more and it's also made me optimistic for the the direction they're going you know, i you just i'm n- never going to be opposed to more star wars and i'm very happy if it was of a lesser quality i would probably still be okay in watching it and watching it i'm just but i'm very happy that quality is being paid attention to and 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 delivered so far. So, and I was it, worried before that I'd, I'd I'd feel like a bad Star Wars fan because I was afraid. Don't, like we're, ju- we're just in the Awakens. first few movies. We're in the first few yeah. years of it, so it's it, I, it I go up and down and all around. Force and Awakens, and so far, the first two have been solid. Yeah, so, so, solidly grounded, and are and as time goes on, like I say, twenty years from now, there won't be much scandal over like whether the prequels suck or not. They'll just be accepted Star Wars movies because they've been around yeah. forever, and their warts, warts and all, will all be part of it. 
and these movies are 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 destined so far to to go along with that. They're not going to be. They don't have to be an anomaly or a, a a separate universe or anything. They're all. It's all working out good. So mm-hmm. keep it keep keep that universe building. I'm 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 lining up. John, anything else? No, uh, no. I I think we we covered it pretty well tonight. I thought it was. I left the theater very happy with the experience. You know, like I said, I I kind of tried to manage expectations going in, but uh, I did end up really really enjoying the film and thought it had a between the the final death of the team and then the actual like coda on the film with Vader and uh, and CG Princess Leia. I thought it uh, had a really really beautiful ending, dovetailing into A New Hope. And I have only seen it the one time, and I. I had tried to, you know, get the family to go to Fort Worth to see a special IMAX screening of it, but with Christmas stuff looming, just didn't yeah. quite work out. So I definitely need to make time to go see it in a theater again. Yeah. I really did like the score too. I, we haven't even touched yeah. on that really, but I was a fan. Yeah, I uh, I've actually listened to it quite a bit so far. Um, you know, I, I think some of what's on the actual soundtrack is, you know, maybe not the best cues, but the three concert suites that end the album that are maybe not necessarily how it's presented in the theater, but how... They're really nice. The, they're really nice. And that's the way these albums should be, in my opinion. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I think I can speak for Chris on this one. You know, when we were kids, the Star Wars soundtrack album was part of the soundtrack of our play, part of the soundtrack of our youth, and it was just a bunch mm-hmm. of cues that were taped together to make an album. I actually uh, got to spend some time with David Collins at Disney World this past summer, and you know, David Collins, of course, does the Star Wars Oxygen thing, which is a brilliant podcast, and he's a brilliant Their guy. episode on this from the other day was fantastic. Yeah, and, and I've held off on listening to it yet, because I've still got a few more times to comment on this movie. Uh, <laughs> But uh, and and David and I have, have maintained contact since then. And again, he's just a super nice guy. Just just had a baby, Ben. Um, but one of the things he said when Force Awakens came out, he was responding to some of the criticism, and he said, "Come on, you know, you guys, this isn't supposed to be a pop album." And one of the first things I said to him after meeting him was, "I think you're wrong on that. Mm-hmm. It is a pop album. It should be a pop album." The Star Wars soundtrack was a pop album. The Empire Strikes soundtrack was a pop album. Yeah, it was full of catchy hooks and riffs, and it did flow. Here's your here's your strong, you know, up tempo piece. Here's your ballad. Here's you know, it was a pop album. Uh, and and honestly, I I less want my Star Wars soundtrack films to tell the story straight through in chronological order, like the '97 reissues that they've been dumping on us over and over again ever since. Uh, and I more prefer to hear it as an album experience. Uh, And so when they do things like those suites at the end of it, I think that's the way these things should be packaged. I I think a lot of people miss opportunities these days by selling scores that are just uh, kind of ritually by the numbers. You know, here's the piece of music we used here. Here's the piece of music we used here. And that's not how the album should be. I I like those because I'm a they're nerd a and they're, ref- they're like a reference. And now that I'm a podcaster, for, yeah. it's like, oh, it's I w- and I want to like cue out a, a specific moment. Sure. But the, 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 the way the records were put together and thought out and yes, yeah, those those are different release. I mean, I think there's a place for those. But when you talk about the, the soundtrack album mm-hmm. and listening to it as an album, 
I, I think those edits need to be in there. I think they need to, to, to put them together with a sense of, of how the album flows. I mean, if they if they ever get it, if they ever get it, they they nail that like the original double album of Star Wars or Empire. I think, and all of a sudden, and I'm sure these albums do well when they come out. But I'm, but you know, all of a sudden you could get like the Star Wars soundtrack was number one on the top forty at, at points in time. Yeah. You know, it have that happen again where there's kids that actually have it in their iPod and are listening to it over and over again because it's a it's a it's a piece. You know, it, it brings back sections of the the movie and stuff but it's just more of a general impression of the feel of it with points of like oh this is that battle scene or or whatever but well i mean the last battle was one of my favorite cues yes and it was it was taped together from all over the place yeah and you know it, it that's okay it was it was taped together from you know some of it was obi-wan turning off the tractor beam some of it was from the uh, the the, uh, the prison breakout for Leia, some of it was actually from the trench run, but it worked as a cohesive piece, even though it was all taped together. Yeah, and you could visualize the the, the movie to it. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. Well, all I know is that for me and my, I have three young sons. They uh, they came to really love the Force Awakens soundtrack. We listened to it a lot in the car driving around Houston, and um, we listened to the Rogue One uh, score in the in the car a few times. But it's you know it's it is stylistically a little different. You know I don't yeah. think it's quite as hooky. Although the main uh, I don't know what you'd even call it, the hope theme, I guess, or whatever it would be, the main title theme that you kind of hear throughout the score. That has a little episode it's, it's two in almost, it. Yeah. It's almost, yeah. Uh, and what about the, stars. the... Yeah, 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 yeah. And the, and the Imperial theme in this one is very close to the Rogue, um, Rogue Squadron. Yes, the I, you Rogue and I were Squadron about on Facebook the other day. And, and and I was listening to it and I'm like, why is this I just saw this movie and I'm listening to the soundtrack, why is this ingrained in my skull? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then I saw and then I remembered popping that in my uh, I think N sixty four. Right. I, you know, that would be that would be the first music that would pop up and at the beginning of missions and I was just like uh, and it's not exactly the same. But it's got a lot of, it's got the same sort of general melodic thrust sure. to it. And uh, I like that. I, I, I heard that he didn't have a lot of time to work on it, so. Four weeks. Yeah, <laughs> that's almost, yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. They had enough homage to put you back in that universe, and it was, see, I, the thing I noticed most about it was these little, it would move up to a crescendo that we all know in the original trilogy. And go in a different direction. Like veer off to the left or the right slightly. And yeah. I liked it. I just, I thought it really, and it worked very well in the context of the action. Well, I'm glad it just wasn't a cut and paste, like the yeah. season of Rebels, of just all yeah. the major themes and, and stuff just sort of put together. Which no, works, I mean, but it's... With the, the composers, the newer composers have to start making it their own a little bit they, you know, well, you never on, want to move too far away from Williams on but. Clone Wars and Rebels they're, they're, they're kind of it's kinder, did Kiner do both of them? 
I believe yes. so. And, yeah, Clone and, Wars uh, and Rebels, both Kevin Kinder, Yeah. I mean, uh, I I have I have a set of like it would it's probably like two three hours of of Clone Wars music, mm-hmm. and there's all different kind. There's all kinds of textures and and different stuff in there. Some of it some of it's really good, and and yeah. there was a couple. There's a cup. There was one cut he was especially proud of in Rebels that he sort of re- released a video for, you know, like, check out this cut, and it was fantastic. All right, let's let Mr. Reifen uh, yeah. wrap up his five minutes here yeah. so I can actually see how tired he's getting. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were yeah. actually asleep earlier, and I was like, is there any way to record this? <laughs> I was looking well, I for thought... a while, and I look up, and he's gone. I'm like, holy shit, I don't think I've ever actually had one leave on me. No, uh, <laughs> and leave yeah. yeah, you got to remember, my normal my normal getting up time is 3.30, so we're almost yeah. at that point. We're almost getting there, uh, yeah. I, I've done morning radio. I know how that goes. Ah, uh, yeah, but... Uh, uh, well, here's what I'll say. I, Rogue One is a great example of when you have a story group, how well it can work and how well it can serve the material. Um, I think there's some issues with having this particular story group put together that Lucasfilm has, one of which is they are very often personally wrapped up in the modern politics of the era, and a lot of times yes. they let that seep into the material. Um and it frustrates me sometimes because Star Wars is not Star Trek, where that is the kind of thing Star Trek should be doing. Uh, Star Wars should be, they should both be kind of about values and morals and ethics, but Star Wars should be more of the timeless stuff, and Star Trek should be more of the topical stuff. And unfortunately, this story group lets a lot of topical stuff in uh, on a very frequent basis because of their personal politics. But when the story group works well, this is what you get. You get Rogue One. You get something that is incredibly faithful to the design, to the look, to the feel of the original trilogy that adds new things but doesn't take away anything from the original experience of the films. Um, and, and it's and it's just a great thing because you've got a, a small army sitting in that room of super fans who are eyeballing everything and making sure it's exactly right. And you don't get things like you know, Superman four where Luther is, he's bald, he's bald, he's bald. And now he's balding. You know, he's been wearing a wig for all these movies. All of a sudden the fourth one, he's, he's got a bald spot. Why do you have a bald spot? You wear wigs. So, you know, little things like that. A story group would step in and go, ah, that's not going to happen. You got to put a wig on this guy. Um, and so uh, to me, having this group of super fans really keeping watch over Star Wars, it can have its negatives, and I've, and I've seen them manifest themselves, but, mm-hmm. but Rogue One is a great example of, of the good that they can do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree yeah, with that, I'm, I'm always available for any consultation work. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure we would all yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah we, we all say that, but they don't have to pay us. They just have to log on to yeah. any kind of Facebook or internet page and go check it out for free. That's the... That's, yeah. I'm happy with that. I don't need any money for Lucasfilm. I just <laughs> no. It's still one like one little credit among the hundred thousand people that yes. run through you know past your face at the yes. end of the movie. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, gentlemen. I want to wrap this up. I guess thank you all for joining me. Um, this is mindless drivel. <laughs> I'm Scott McGregor. Uh, Pimp, where you're all, uh, where we can hear y'all. By the way, what are you doing these days for podcasting, Scott? I have actually put out a My Star Wars Story 
and a dinner for geeks both this week. I know it's amazing. I know, uh, and I'm going to try and keep that up. As uh, you know, I'm off for the next week, so I'm going to try and work ahead as much as I can, and uh, and hopefully have some things to put out on both fronts. And they are both on Twitter and on Facebook, both at Dinner for Geeks, the number four, and my Star Wars story. Um, Dinner for Geeks is a lot of fun. My Star Wars story gets the biggest pop. Uh, and, and there's a reason for that. It's 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 a neat project that chronicles, you know, start to finish, soup to nuts, Star Wars fans' experiences, anecdotes, uh, you know, everything they can remember. I, I I I get accused of being a little tasteless when I say this, but it's kind of the Showa project of Star Wars to me. Works for me. <laughs> Yeah, Jonathan Kreitz, are you doing anything on our network or any other? Uh, well, not on uh, Two True Freaks at the moment, but I did actually launch my own podcast, um, Into oh, a right. Larger just... World, uh, just just last week, actually. Yep. Um, I just did a little introduction episode, and then I did my first review. It's going to be mostly, uh, to your point, Scott McGregor, about not being able to read or look at all the material coming out well hopefully I'll be able to I generally read new Star Wars books as they came out in the first few days so I basically would like to cover the novels and comics primarily for the new EU on this podcast and hopefully it'll be a service to fans yeah hopefully it'll be a service for fans who don't necessarily either want or can uh, keep up with it um, God will definitely be one of your listeners on that Yeah, so, so check out sure the review for, for Catalyst. And yeah. I actually, being a fairly novice podcaster, did not put a proper spoiler warning in the episode itself. But I do pretty much talk about the entire book, so just be warned on that. Um, I, I would, yeah, so if you go to intoalargerworld.com, you can uh, see the website there. It's in iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and most of your other uh, podcatching apps. And on the Two True Fe- uh, Freaks Network, I do with uh, Chris Tyler and Dave Atterbury, we covered uh, Stranger oh, Things, yeah. Yeah. Um, which was uh, which was a lot of fun. And we've got some ideas to do some uh, kind of episodes to fill in between now and uh, the second the new season. season beginning. Yes, between... Mr. Tyler actually promised me a slot on it. So yeah, yeah, now in 1984. <laughs> Yeah, thought we would do, you know, like maybe some commentaries on some films that really influenced it, or maybe some book reviews. You know, read some Stephen King for the show. Or there's something. a lot of story about like how they put the soundtrack together, and there's some, and like the, you know, the music to it would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's the soundtrack, which was nominated for a Grammy for crying out loud. Yeah. Oh wow! Excellent. So anyhow, yeah. Jeez, John Carpenter should get an Oscar then. <laughs> yeah, and I am. Uh, I have a Carpenter story to tell in a moment, but we'll, we can tell that one off there. I am uh, we just begun. A co-captain of Two True Freaks, and I'm on a zillion podcasts, back episodes. But the two I'm doing, I'm doing a weekly, which you can catch me on regularly, is uh, Jay Guys and Jedi, which is the. Clone Wars podcast I do with Hope Mullinex and we're doing that um, going right through the Clone Wars and we'll probably can we'll probably do the Tartakovsky we'll probably just cover every animated aspect of Star Wars we'll probably go right into Rebels at, when we complete Clone Wars and the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror which is monthly and right now we're working on 
were alternating Hammer movies and um, Freddy Krueger movies. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a lot of fun. Although it's been getting complicated because then we had a Halloween special one month and we just had a Christmas special where we did Krampus, which I highly recommend the podcast and the movie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, tutrafreaks.com. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, all that. Cool. All that. Yeah. I've always I've always told every one of y'all that I've kind of been on with, but I love the vault. That's a great show. Yeah, the lot that we had a riot on the on the Christmas. Yeah, episode. the Krampus one was really good. I've never seen that movie, but I'm gonna have to check it out now. Hi, I highly recommend it. I was just I, I I went into it like, all right, I'm gonna have fun with this, and I'm like, this is really well done, and really? it's what it's one that's gonna it's one that you could watch every year, and you're gonna pick up stuff, you know. Every time, right? That I'm my next horror outing is I'm I'm saving to savor the witch. I hear that's a really uh, good movie. Yeah, I'm gonna watch that too. Yeah, I started it. Once. Sitting on my hard drive, waiting to give it scare the hell out of me. Yeah, uh, I got a weekly heroics I was supposed to put out earlier today. Actually, just waiting in my computer to be posted. Um, I do no consoles for old men and fear the Walking Dead cast when that show is going on. And this is Mindless Dribble, which we just relaunched with another Star Wars thing. And you, you've Patterns been putting out here. a bunch of the the group podcast like this one. You're, yeah, you're, you, you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, I got it. I'm slacking, man. Glutton, I'm a glutton for punishment. You know, <laughs> it's like every time I do one of these and have to edit now three hours with the audio. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I swear that we'll see what kind good. of broken man you are in three years. <laughs> yeah, no, three to five uh, years. I did it for a few years. It, you know. Yeah, you had radio. You're already broken, do. dead inside. Yeah, it's crushed. Yeah, this, this is disheartened. This is just fun now. It's not working anymore most of the time. But Yeah, that's it, kids. Mindless Dribble. We try to put these out like once a month for you, but we're going to be a little more recent than that this time. Not that you'll complain. Mindless Dribble at Yahoo.com. You can email us there. And don't forget to click on that Amazon link. Just because you've already bought your Christmas stuff doesn't mean we ain't got bills to pay. So, bye now. May the force be with you. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled... T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes. And you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. 
If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.